0: My name is Matt Brown.
1: When you wanna come in?
0: Bruh, just go for right now. Hurry up.
1: Ooh.
0: Ooh. Hold on, do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh my god.
0: And let's start the show.
3: When, when I'm feeling lonely, sad as I can be, all by myself on uncharted island in the endless sea. What makes me happy? Fills me up with glee. Those bones in my jaw, they don't have a flaw Shiny Shiny teeth at me Shiny shiny teeth that twinkle Just like the stars in space Shiny teeth that sparkle sparkle, Adding beauty to my face Shiny shiny teeth that glisten Just like a Christmas tree You know you walk a a mile just to see me smile Shiny shiny teeth at me Yes, they all so perfect. perfect so white and pearly. Brush, goggle, rinse, a couple breath mints, my shiny teeth and me. My shiny teeth so awesome, just like your favorite song. My shiny teeth, I floss them so they grow to be real strong. My shiny teeth, I love them, and they all love me. i just sure to talk to you when I got 32. My shiny teeth and me. My shiny teeth at me My shiny teeth at me Yeah!
0: A better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations Podcast. What's up, everybody? It is Wednesday. It's a special Wednesday edition of the Productive Conversations Podcast, April 7th, 2021. And we have so many things to freaking talk about. Oh my goodness. But to start it off, just some reminders don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations Podcast on all podcasting platforms and and YouTube. And also, don't forget to check out all exclusive content regarding the Productive Conversations podcast by going to our website, ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. From there, you'll see every single podcast, all the videos we produce, the blogs I have written, our merchandise store, thanks to our friends at Zazzle to get all exclusive merchandise regarding this amazing podcast. Plus, we have just everything. Anything you can think of regarding the show, it is a nice, comforting, and fun website to showcase the great people who have been a part of this show and myself for what I do. And it's not possible without you, the greatest listeners and fans in the world, for making it all possible, and we thank you dearly. Also, don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod, Convo Pod. And we're also on TikTok at Productive Conversations to check out all the great things we have to offer in the world of social media. So where do we begin? First, thank you, the greatest listeners and fans in the world for tuning in every single week and making this show possible. Again, another shout out to how much you all appreciate me. Also, oh man... As we're rolling around early spring, I have some things to talk about. Obviously, we'll hit on, quickly hit on the end of the college basketball season. When I recorded Monday, it was before the intense, historic Final Four weekend we had. And for the men's side of the ball of bas- of college basketball, from Houston getting the... They're simply getting their asses kicked by Baylor, and the epic battle between Gonzaga and UCLA where it ends with Jalen Suggs this historic buzzer beater I wasn't able to react initially right away on Monday I was the way I found out about this I was driving home listening to the game with my brother Brendan and we were driving home from celebrating his birthday with some of uh, our friends. And yeah, we just just hearing that epic buzzer beater. Didn't have enough time to react to it on the podcast cuz just went straight to bed and then it was Easter and then had some things to do. So now that I'm initially reacting to this to that historic game, something else, one of the greatest of all time. Watched it at the bar we were at, then drove home and heard the end. It was it was just epic. Epic, epic, epic. And now we could talk about the national championship itself. And also, let me say, when Jalen Suggs hit that buzzer beater, I officially won my pool! I organized the pool only to win it, and it feels good to cash-app and Venmo that money back to me after Jalen Suggs hit the one of the greatest shots heard around the world, one of the greatest shots of all time in college basketball, and I accurately predicted the national championship. And I mean, not that it was very hard or innovative to pick those two to be in the national championship. I still picked it, and it worked out. And how it all played out in... Monday night's national championship game Well Well we definitely saw history But Not the profound history That some people were hoping Baylor wins the national championship The Baylor Bears from Texas Uh, It's Baylor University Correct Let me check with my uh, Yep Yep Baylor University bat out in Waco. They win the national championship 80-70 over the Georgia Bulldogs, knocking off their perfect season. And Baylor, the Baylor Bears finally take it all, thanks to being led by the great Jared Butler, leading them to victory. And after, it was, you know, it's clear that the best game over the past few days was definitely Gonzaga-UCLA in the Final Four, but the national championship Though semi-promising in, I guess, the first 10 minutes of the game. Then Baylor just ran with it. They just kept scoring, kept, kept uh, shutting down Gonzaga with stellar defense. And, yeah, Baylor wins their first national championship ever. I think this was the first time since the 40s that they were actually in the final matchup. Gonzaga was so close to being the first NCAA men's division one team to go undefeated to have a complete undefeated season but just like the Patriots in 07 they fell down and couldn't do it and Bobby Knight's Indiana Indiana team is still on top as the most recent perfect season the division one NCAA March Madness champion so tough pill to swallow for the Zags I know Mark Fuse had a lot of close calls, a lot of competitive teams since he took over back. I think now, jeez, what is this? This is his, um, yeah. The, I mean, this is this is he's been the head coach since '99, and yeah, tough tough pill to swallow for the Bulldogs there. But hey, we'll see what happens next year. And uh, even though Gonzaga wears four and a half point favorites. Clearly, the Baylor Bears whooped them. I mean, they were ranked third in the nation while Gonzaga was number one. And yeah, it's just too bad. But you know what? It was a fun NCAA March Madness tournament. It was entertaining throughout. It was just nice to have a March Madness tournament again after the year we've all been through. And I believe that it was a great, tournament year so and guess what i won my pool this year i officially like i said officially sealed it when baylor and gonzaga won the won the final four games and played to the championship and i'm a happy man i am a happy man there so we'll be back again next year with march madness college basketball will be back in the winter but until then we have more fun sports to get excited for like i said we got the masters tomorrow and I'm sorry, we got, well, yeah, we got the Masters starting tomorrow, going through the weekend as well as WrestleMania weekend, so lots to talk about there, we'll hit on the Masters, Uh, Yankees trying to finally, you know, get some momentum going after a stellar win on Monday night, and yeah, uh, we're just pushing through, got my, I also like to let you guys know that I did schedule a COVID vaccine. I was able to schedule it after many days of frustration, push it through and ranting about it on the podcast. I have scheduled a vaccine, and it will be this Saturday at uh, Bridgeport, at the hospital in Bridgeport, I guess Bridgeport Hospital, and I'll take it, take my first dose of the Moderna vaccine, you know, do my part to finally end this once and for all, and I'm very appreciative, very thankful for it. Shouts to Jamie and Phi Mu, who, when we went to school together, when I put out a Facebook status saying I need help trying to find a vaccine, she sent me this chart, this Google Doc that this kind woman created of all the sort resources you could go to to schedule a vaccine in our beautiful state of Connecticut, and I was able to just do that. So. Yeah, I was able to schedule it through the Yale New Haven system, and yeah, I'm I'm just very appreciative. Again, if anyone needs help scheduling a vaccine, please reach out to me, specifically in Connecticut, where I am residing at the moment. But if you need help getting a vaccine, please reach out. I'll show you how I was able to schedule it. Anyway, we, I, I'm, in any state, I'll help you. I, if you could push, there, if there's a will, there's a way. Like I said, even though it is extremely difficult to get a vaccine and, and sometimes outright frustrating and stressful, if there's a will, there's a way. And if I can help you one way or the other get a vaccine, no matter what state you're in, honestly, please reach out. I got your back. But, yeah, that's all I have to say for now. Today, we have the amazing Will Hester and Brittany St. Brown back on the Productive Conversations podcast. Truly a podcast of the meeting of the minds. We talked about a lot of things on how to be a great leader, overcoming obstacles, handling adversity. We talk about growing up in the beautiful city of Norwalk and going through the Norwalk public school systems where we hit on both some great highlights and teachers that we – genuinely appreciate who led us the way we also talk about some of the controversies regarding the normal public school systems and how some of those things panned out especially uh you know some relationships that should not have been created but uh we just comment and go and talk about what was like going through a school system going through scandals and stuff like that but We were able to push through and hopefully lessons were learned and we learned exactly what not to do and what to avoid. So also besides that, we talk about cryptocurrency, Elon Musk, uh, the importance of reading, a lot of great stuff and and much more where that came from. And this, again, is another captivating episode that I'm really proud of with my great friend Will Hesser and my brother, Brennan St. Brown, who I love dearly. And yeah, this is a fantastic episode. And let's just get to it right now. Brendan St. Brown, Will Hester, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's get to it. simple as that. Two popular, amazing returning guests with something to say. Great vibes and bring a great energy. Most importantly, bring the noise. So with that, welcome back, Will Hesed. Welcome back, British A. Brown. Let's have a productive conversation. How are we doing, my friends?
4: Awesome. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? What's up? (laughs) That was much better.
0: (laughs) 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 Nothing but. So, yeah, as... This show keeps growing and pre, and putting two huge members of this brand together on it. Just simply wanted to just talk, uh, just check in with how things are going in this world, get some advice and uh, just bounce off each other as we always do in this great podcast. So what do we, so talk to me, Will, how are you doing
4: to start it off? I mean, I'm freaking exhausted, but I guess I'm good. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just working super hard. Uh, but, you know, I'm confident that at some point it's all going to be worth it. Uh, so, yeah, just plugging along, man. How are you doing, Matt? I'm great. You
0: know, just having fun with this show. Looking for right next opportunity. And um, we're just living it, life and having a great time. bridget how are you doing?
2: What's up, Breezy? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Will, thanks for coming on. And... <laughs> Talking with us.
0: Yeah. All right, all right. So have a great, I have a great show planned for us with loaded questions, deep questions, and good vibes. So why don't we just start off the bat with the big loaded question? Because you guys know what's going on, you're aware of this world. I consider you guys woke people. So with everything going on in this world and especially this country, I'm gonna just start off with the loaded question. What is wrong with America right now as a whole? Feel free to Bridget. I see you have some uh, you have some emotion when I said that question. Talk to me, Bridget. We'll start with you. What do you think is wrong with America as a whole? As of this April 2021? You can
2: you can take so many ways to answer that question. But the first thing that popped into my mind is too many people. Are waiting to be rescued from someone else. Too many people are looking for salvation in politicians. Politicians care about themselves. They care about themselves. They care about their first. They care about themselves. Then they care about their money. Then they care about their family. You're fourth on the list, at best. But yeah, I think at the sum is too many people are looking for other people to save them. But um, once you realize that the only one that can help you is you, everything will start to fall into place.
0: All right. All right. What are your initial thoughts, Will, when that question is brought up? I saw you were also bringing some emotion. Nice. Great hand gestures. So you may agree with Brendan. What do you have to say as a whole with what's wrong with America?
4: It's that the government won't help me. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: yeah, I, I mean, my initial feeling is that relative to most places ever, In the history of ever, and even relative to most places today, we're still pretty good. And every major media outlet makes an insane amount of money pointing out insanity. Uh, The other issue is that (laughs) DC doesn't give a crap, (laughs) as Brendan was saying. So when you have the belief that someone in Washington is going to help you, And then they regularly fail. The world seems insane. But if you just understand that most people in Washington don't give a crap about you, then it all makes sense. And then you figure out, oh, like if I need to change my life, if I want to fix my family, I want to fix my community. uh, It's safe to assume that it's up to you and that you're alone in that battle. And some people would call that depressing, but it's better to work with a truth that isn't, happy than a lie that's comforting because that lie won't actually change your reality.
0: Yeah, I think that is very big facts in here. And, you know, also, as we do this uh, three person podcast, feel free to chime in whenever and uh, just wanted to add that uh, message as well. But having what you said and what Brendan said is relying on the people and our, you know, obviously our politicians are important. We vote for them. They're supposed to represent us. But we have seen, obviously, no matter if it's this country, no matter if it's this time or some point in the past, we've seen people take uh, politicians take things in their own hands and they're just doing their job while also, uh, you know, doing their job for themselves. So with that and why do you say with and with that and putting our trust in there? Why do you say we are so reliant on the politicians? Why at, I'm not as why do you think there's a portion of this society here in America where we really do give everything in our lives to politics, whether it's fighting them for social media, whether you're part of weird cults like QAnon, whether you're are <laughs> uh, um, you're just so heavily focused and you think everything is based on politics, ride or dies. Why? Why do you think has led us to this point in 2021 to, make us feel this way, and that is literally life or death to the politician.
4: I I read somewhere that in a post-God society, you make people on Earth God because there's (laughs) something in human nature that just looks for some greater being, and in the absence of God, people put that on the government, and the government loves that. Uh, Yeah, and like with – the only way I can understand – like radical wokeism or like the radical Trumpism, if you look at it from the standpoint that those are religions, they seem to make a lot more sense. They have their own terminology, (laughs) they have their own rituals, uh, none of which make any sense. So it's very comparable to religion on on both sides. Uh, And similar to most religions, if you introduce some kind of scientific evidence or anything, uh, you're branded a heretic and then people get really mad at you and then say really mean things to you on the internet. Uh, so that's the only way I've understood it.
0: <laughs> what do you have to chime in with that, Brendan?
2: That's a good point there. Um, yeah, I'm going to call it kind of like a religious complex, all of us. Every human wants to um, look to a higher power, a higher being, whether that's a leader or some sort of um, entity being, whatever. And yeah, we want to um, submit to them. Everyone, everyone wants to do that. So that there is that going on. Also, I, I, I had a different thought. It's almost kind of like um, we're tied into a a system, almost like a trap that we need them. we're dependent, right? So first, a lot of businesses were shut down um, during COVID. And then, so a lot of people had no income and now stimulus rolls out, unemployment rolls out. So it's like first we have no jobs. We lose our jobs. And now we're dependent for this source of income to, you know, feed our families, put, turn the lights on, have a roof over our head. And
4: they mm-hmm. also suck at giving you that money. <laughs> right. Like, here's $1,200. Okay. Here's like 600 Okay. That hair's 1400 Now, fuck off. It's like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? that's yeah. only like <laughs> two months rent for people alone. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have a baby, so I got slightly more, but I <laughs> a uh, it's, a, it's a net negative on the income.
0: There. <laughs> yeah. And I think when we talk about politicians and being aware, one of the easiest criticisms is coming at politicians is that they don't understand where we come from. Like they they're probably there definitely are racks to just stories of politicians. But what you're putting in that elitist society, you lose you lose the sense of what's going on. It's like when a comedian can't be funny if he's not amongst the public, how can he create material unless you're doing um, creating material on an elitist society for an elitist audience? When, why do you think it's those lines are so blurred for these politicians? Why do they give up everything and give up their morals to keep their job unless they know something that we don't know,
4: you know? there's definitely something behind the scenes. I mean, mm-hmm. Like my my instinct of Barack Obama is that he's a good guy. So and if you hear my daughter in the background, please ignore that. Oh, no. Um, no. But that Barack Obama is uh, a good human being. And if Mm -hmm. you look at him, his whole thing was, hey, I'm going to go after the banks. I'm going to shut down Guantanamo Bay. I'm going to do all these things. And I genuinely believe that he wanted to do those things, but he never did any of them. Like not a single one and got paid $400,000 for a single speech after he was president, paid by all these banks for speaking fees and now owns like a 40 acre estate on Martha's Vineyard. So they threaten you and then they give you all this money to shut up. And like, he's a dad, like he has kids to worry about. So he's just trying to do the best he can. I'm gonna pass his healthcare reform. I'm gonna get the Iran deal going. I'm gonna do the things that I think are good within the confines that the system allows. I don't know who runs that system. I don't think they go around calling themselves the Illuminati or whatever, but there are obviously other forces that be, that confine them that us peasants are not allowed in those meetings. So one of my big goals in life is to at least get invited to the meeting. (laughs) I can at least know like, OK, cool. Like, this is it. Like, all right, now you can assassinate me. But yeah. I just wanted to know. Now I'm going to kill myself like Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. You, you feel similarly with that, Brendan?
0: Or differentiate?
2: Uh, what was the question again?
0: Like, but do, like, how do you how do you also feel about the influence, you know, the behind the scenes, obviously? many politicians promise us things then they get to the other side and there's other diplomats and other heads that are preventing them to create these programs uh put these laws into order and just you know do something completely different listen right
2: now do the research yourself this is just a book right here but you to you need to do the research yourself you need to find look at both sources so right now you need to be a student of history more than ever because those who fail to remember their history are forced to repeat it now i'm just going to go off some some famous quotes by presidents right lincoln said um i should not well not, not lincoln but um jfk right said ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Reagan said, trust but verify. Eisenhower. Eisenhower is one of my favorite presidents. This man saved the world. He was uh, He was the general of the Allied Forces. And what, one of his most famous quotes is, and his farewell address, we need to be aware of the military industrial, industrial complex. We need to be aware of the military industrial complex. Now, his successor, JFK, was assassinated, right? Some people say it was the mob. Now, when I started to put the pieces together, Eisenhower warned us. Now, if you guys, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, I want to say it's called the Bay of Pigs, or the Bay of Pigs might have been something else. Bay well, of Pigs right? Invasion. Yep. Right, so anyone who's listening, basically, the government was going wanted to go to war with Cuba. So what they're going to do was they're going to st- uh, um, they're going to stage an attack on American soil. They're going to shoot down some American planes. I think maybe um, stage an attack on Miami. They're going to blame it on Cuba so we can get um, the declaration of war to go to war with Cuba because um, this was during the missile crisis and all that stuff. And we wanted and- to go to Cuba with Cuba because. um <sighs> Because, one, they were allies with Russia, and this was during the Cold War. And um, also, there's a lot of money, Warhawks, right? A lot of the, these Warhawks, they profit off of war. Um, Boeing, um, Lock, Lockheed, I think is another name of a big uh, military contractor. But um,
4: Operation Northwoods
2: is what... Uh, yeah, uh, Northwoods at Northwoods. Yeah, Northwoods. Golf golf of Tonkin. No, that's another one. But um,
4: no, basically that's it, went, it actually faked and it actually went to war in Vietnam. In the
2: Vietnam, the Vietnam, yes. So basically it went all these like military and government officials passed this, right? It went through so many clearances and they all gave the okay to stage this military tech. It gets on JFK's desk and he's like, Are you guys crazy? He says no. And if you look at it, a lot of stuff like <laughs> If we want to call it the Illuminati, the deep state, or a lot of people, like JFK, had a lot of enemies inside government because he didn't comply with what they wanted to do. Boom, he gets assassinated, right, by um, Lee Harvey Oswald, right? Like five minutes later, Lee Lee Harvey Oswald gets shot and gets killed, like on his way to got,
0: getting questioned
2: by the Dallas. On his police. way to getting questioned. So basically, if we're talking about if there's a deep state. If there's something behind the scenes, Eisenhower warned us and then then his successor gets assassinated for not complying with these stuff. And by the way, what we brought up is all it's all like fact. It's all declassified 50 years later.
4: Yeah, like you can read about this in the Library of Congress. It's not like some... (laughs) Crazy conspiracy. Like, yeah, this is... It's fact. Yeah. Like, so people... No crazy Because they're like, oh, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, are they turning the frogs gay with Alex <laughs> Jones? Like, no, that's <laughs> not... This is not the same thing. And the... Like, most conspiracy theories are wrong. But the ones that are right are so right that they scare the crap out of you like MKUltra and mm-hmm. experimenting on American citizens by injecting them with psychedelics so that they can become clairvoyants and figure out where the Soviets keep their nukes. The CIA has been caught dozens of times selling drugs in the United States. I mean, one of my favorite things was like, uh, hey, don't be mean to me. My dad worked for the CIA. And if you don't (laughs) get nice, he'll get your entire neighborhood addicted to crack. Like, Like, these are not good people. But the King family sued the United States government for killing Martin Luther King Jr. in a civil court. And they won. (laughs) I didn't know that, actually, shit. And yeah, it was in the 90s in, like, some Atlanta court. So just when anyone ever is like, well, the FBI said this, and the CIA said that, and it's just like, why would you? Like, and the New York Times said this. Why is that evidence? <laughs> like, people who repeatedly lie to you is your source? What the hell's wrong with you?
0: And they keep coming back to him, and it's amazing how many how far even with the politics, despite that and having so many clear evidence of people do wrongdoing. And we have people still fall into that rabbit hole. I mean, Bridget, I know one of your um, facts that really struck my. Can you talk about Richard Nixon's part in ending the Vietnam War when he decided to all right, shown so, in um, also shown in the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary for anyone who hasn't seen it? All right. So I don't know where this video is going.
2: But um, whoever watches it now, history repeats itself. So there was a lot of similarities between 1968, 1969 and 2020, 2020. Now, um, this is once again, all
0: declassified evidence. This is all fact. Yeah. And this particular 19- fact was in the uh, Ken Burns Vietnam War documentary on PBS. So so um, in the ninth, for
2: people who aren't familiar in 19 from 1965 to 19. 19- 73. seventy-one, seventy-two, seventy-three. We're in the Vietnam War now. LBJ wanted to um, LBJ wanted to end the war, but Nixon was running for um, office. He was running to be president, and he said, "We we need to throw a monkey wrench." That that was a quote, and he basically was putting off peace negotiations with the North North Vietnam because he wanted to end the war in his presidency. He becomes president, they end the war. Now, um, and like, I don't even want to say, but basically, so, uh, Biden came into office in November of 2020. A few days later, the vaccine came out.
0: So I'm, I'm all I'm going to say right there. Mm. Well, when it comes to stuff <laughs> like that and fig and seeing how things have evolved with politically, there's just various coincidences, Even though the vaccine, I will say at least is a good thing. Cause it's helping end of this pandemic and lead us to a uh, um, normal life whenever the heck it came out. And I think just bringing all this up at the end of the day, uh, we're just, just to put this a full circle is that politicians, Really shouldn't be revered as gods, bringing it back to Will Hesert's point. And we just and bringing it back to Brennan's point is that we just have to be our own sources. We're smart enough to know where we can go to trusted sources. You know, we're educated. And thank goodness we're educated. And at the end of the day, with everything going on, just be just trust yourself don't give everything to the potential I'm sure you both can agree, right? Yeah, all right. So um you brought up educated. All right, I'm gonna steer the
2: conversation because we'll leave the politics for something else. But the reason why I wanted to talk with Will, I've been meaning to talk with you for years. Let's do this. Um so, so the story together. goes, so the story goes, um like just so I went to Bates College up in Maine, and I went to school with your friend Gavin Search. And I had a very tough time at Bates, and Gavin had a tough time at Bates from from like what it seemed like too. Now we like I seen him around in high school, and um, he probably he like knew of me too. But we weren't friends in high school. But it was one of those, it was a cool, um, kind of just effect of life that we were both far from home and we were both struggling. We were both in the metaphorical, the the metaphorical trenches. And it was like, all right, like we're from the same hometown. So we kind of looked out for each other, we had each other's backs. And while, when I was at school, um, I really kind of got into entrepreneurship and I know you're into entrepreneurship. You and I both took the road less traveled. And right now I wouldn't treat, I wouldn't change my life with anyone else. And it looks like you're doing really well too. It was difficult. We've had, it's the whole journey. It's going to be difficult. I've had, I've had my, my fair shares of like a lot of difficulty and I'm sure you had too. But, um, so, where I where I drew my interest in you was Gavin. So at at Bates, um, I started a grilled cheese delivery business. Me and my friend, we were stealing bread and cheese out of the dining hall and then <laughs> selling it for three dollars. And we made like a thousand dollars in a week. It blew up. Boom. And at that point, like I wasn't going to class. I was just focusing on my business, and I ended up dropping out of school. I left. I took the um took the bet on myself and everything worked out. But I just always remember Gavin. He was like, Oh, you should talk to Will because he said you were really into entrepreneurship.
4: It's not wrong. (laughs) And there were like a few years there where I felt like the dumbest person ever to live. Uh, I used to take the weekends off of eating, you know, I'm six foot five, right? Mm -hmm. I was 150 pounds um at the height of my poverty i lived in a shitty little new london apartment i had a swat team raid my neighbor so that was the kind of neighborhood that i was in what and the only thought in my mind okay i'll tell story this cause it's funny as hell, and i'll get back <laughs> to before. so i'm pulling i'm backing out right i lived in a neighborhood where when i would get home from work at five o'clock all my neighbors would wake up uh so that that's just a neighborhood that that I was in so, except this one guy who's always up early but had all the kind of face tattoos that said, uh, I've killed lots of people. So <laughs> in this house, there are these two guys in hoodies right up front in this like shitty little Pontiac. And they get out and they have flak jackets on. They whip out pistols. And this freaking like shitty, like A-team like van comes around the corner and a SWAT team gets out the back. It was like go go, go van holding a SWAT team. And then they run up to the guy's door. Freaking van's blocking me in right now as I'm trying to back out, like a <laughs> 4,000-point turn. And the freaking guy with the battering ram was like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this guy has face tattoos. You have to put in some work here. Like, this guy <laughs> is going to eat you for lunch. Like, who put the rookie on the battering ram? And yeah. I move the van? Can I knock down the door? And in return, will you let me get to work? Um... Yeah, I was very poor for like a really long time uh, it was not fun uh, but it it ended up working out super well um like I don't currently like worry about money which is a huge blessing because I can focus on just building stuff but oh, <laughs> was it freaking rough on on the journey uh it's yeah it's a pretty unique journey of just like You think you're an idiot, like all the time. And then occasionally there's evidence to the contrary. And you have to hold on to that little bit of evidence that you're not a complete moron, screw up, and keep going. It's super unique. I'm super glad you got into entrepreneurship. What, like was there a a specific spark for you that? Um, so one,
2: I was just blessed with entrepreneurship, entrepreneur um, genetics. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. My great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather was an entrepreneur and it all just, I like I just natu- naturally have this, the DNA of a hustler. But where it started was at Bates, um, the party scene was was pretty bad, pretty whack. I'm and very, Matt, very actually, Matt actually, <laughs> Matt, Matt gave me the idea, he, or one time he said, in college, great fundraiser, a great way to make money in college is like sell grilled cheeses. And then my cousin told me, she inspired me the story of her friend. He would like go down to the corner store, buy a box of fruit snacks, and then sell them out individually. And so I put two, to two, two and two together. And then uh, I said to my, my boy, Jacob Hollis, shout out to Jacob. It's like, yo, bro, like, you want to start this this um, this grilled cheese business? And he was like, yeah. And it just took off. And I was like, instead of us spending money, let's go make some money. And then um, it just, everything took off from there. And in the journey you're saying, right? Like self-doubt is a part of the journey hardship, but you need that. You need to develop that survival instinct because when you're going off of that survival instinct, you don't know how strong you can be, right? You really have to be wise. You have to be disciplined and you have to make things happen. You have to execute.
4: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That, uh, you, you have the, the genetic background. Because I was, uh, I have no idea how I stumbled into it. Mm -hmm. No one in my family has ever owned a business. Uh, We have uh, some successful corporate people, uh, some successful military people, a lot of drug addicts. Uh, So, you know, know, that's more on the consumer side than the producer. Like, at least a drug dealer, you know, (laughs) there's no thing, you know. Now you just need the morality and, and you're set. I mean, if you sell pot and you're watching this, I, no one cares. It's basically, yeah. Um, but if you sell heroin, you should just—what's uh, a polite way to say this? Fucking kill yourself.
1: Um, and
4: um, I'll help. Uh, call me. But um, yeah, it's really just it. You should never start a business to be rich because it is not at all worth. You have to almost be incapable of doing anything else. Which I think I'm there. Like the idea of getting a job right now that like I don't work any corporate job anymore, like I'm good, not going back. I have money in the bank in case everything blows up. I I can't. Just emotionally, like very few things freak me out. I probably just joined the military at that point. I was like, nope like not going back can't bring me back to corporate america no matter what you do it's just so so crushingly stupid like just most jobs mm-hmm. and it's being surrounded by people unless i guess you maybe if you work at a great company but i haven't been able to find one to work for right we just like doing well makes other people mad at you because you start rocking the boat because when someone sees what you can actually accomplish, not working 80 hours a week, but just like actually working the 40 hours you're there, people are like, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. I only want to put in my 15 and I want to check Facebook the rest of the time, Mm -hmm. but they're paying you for 40. So maybe you should do your job and maybe you would have been promoted sometime in the last 20 years. Um,
2: yeah. Well, are you saying you're saying um, how like people are getting paid for 40 hours of work, but they're really only working
4: for maybe peer, say, 15, 15 hours of that? I mean, some people are working 80 and getting paid 40, but there are a lot of people who work like 10 hours a week and get paid for 40. So yeah. I know plenty of people overworked and underpaid and a lot of people underworked and overpaid. And there are a lot of inefficiencies in, in that yeah. system. It's so hard to fire someone though. Like legally in Connecticut?
0: Yeah, it really is. You have to be blatantly caught in this scandal with video yeah. evidence or audio <laughs> or
4: uh, or tweet something that that would do it.
0: Yeah. And know. we do not endorse that and make sure you don't do it as well. And think uh, before you tweet, <laughs> imagine if that <laughs> That should be a lesson in in our schools besides, you know. We should have some class to just teach you social media etiquette. But yeah, I think the great things you were saying for both of you, an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial qualities is the fact that you not everyone. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But it's not people don't want to put in that work. And so then I've noticed getting the podcast sphere, you know, I'm six months in still have a lot I'm very still very new, still have a lot of work to go. But, you know. We're still happy where we are, 60 plus episodes by the time this is released. But it's amazing when I collaborate with other podcasters within those six months, there's only one show that is still doing it with me. It's the Word for Word podcast. The other ones, which, you know, you can you can see back. I haven't seen them post any episodes. I know one for a fact stopped doing it. And I always did hate that, that stereotype when people said, oh, everybody has a podcast not necessarily true um anyone could post anything on an rss feed but it actually put in work and staying consistent and doing the show it is a whole new ball game and that made me and that's what i get with podcasting and i'm sure you guys see an entrepreneurship too so many people who think they're going to be hitting on the next big business being the next big ceo getting on that jobs musk uh special category of Uh, almost celebrity-like CEOs. But I think we all can agree and what makes us all special is the fact that the consistency isn't going away. And most importantly, that Will said, it is a priceless journey to do. it. We do it because we want to do it. I want to make podcasts because they're fun. I get to talk with great people and I get to help show the worst of the guests and the audience always has something to, to get out of it, hence the productive conversation. And you guys can say that too if you want to add anything onto it too, as you're making your business because you, you have a purpose to do it. Right.
1: Yeah. there's nothing Purpose.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, actually, so I just thought of something else, but one of the reasons why like, right. People, um, want to start a business for money and right. We all want money, but it's more so you want freedom. It's the fact that you could do whatever you want. You could be on your own schedule and you don't have to answer to anyone. And I think, um, That's why you should create a business. But also to an entrepreneur, by definition, or a definition I like for an entrepreneur is you create the world in the lens that you want to see. So you're adding some sort of value to the world. You're creating some sort of product or service that makes life more efficient for people around you.
4: Yeah, 100% like I, I really look up to Elon and I know that's some weird controversial statement. <laughs> a lot of people hate him because he's rich. I'm like, yes, yeah, so I'm going to just vent for a second. Let and it out. Is the overwhelming majority of his wealth is from Tesla. Right. SpaceX is probably valued at like 50 or 60. Uh, Tesla is worth like <laughs> 10 times that. God bless. Yeah, bless you. Uh, so, most of its wealth has come from Tesla. The primary reason why renewable energy and electric cars have not been able to go mass market is a battery problem. Tesla has single-handedly advanced battery technology in a way that no other company has. They now have the lowest cost solar in America. They have the only successfully mass marketed electric cars at the scale and quality that they have it, which has forced other automakers to jump in. And they're probably 15 years ahead in autonomy because all million Teslas driving around right now have cameras in all of them, tracking every movement of the cars, feeding an AI that will handle the self-driving. While companies like Waymo that Google owns pay engineers $150,000 a year to drive around and get data Tesla gets like a million people driving because they've just been installing those cameras in the cars since 2012. So, think about all the advancements of technology that happened because once self driving happens, most traffic deaths are going to go away. Yep. Between the renewable energy and electric cars, that will solve approximately 10 to 15% of the climate problem uh, by 20, I'd say 40 is a safe bet because you have to not only keep selling them, but eventually have to replace the gasoline cars and put more and more panels up. But that's solving a major issue here on Earth. And then he wants to take his money that he made solving an earthly problem to send people to Mars. Yeah, with, anybody. In the event that, I don't know, any of the 6,000 nukes on our side or Russia's side decides to go and all of us die in nuclear fire, that there's still some human somewhere because we have no proof of aliens. As far as we know, we're the only intelligent life in the entire universe. I hope not. But right now-
2: before UFO um, evidence is coming out, supposedly, this year. In six months. It, and they're supposed to reveal um, oh. what they got.
4: But what if those are, are humans in the really? future, and then by destroying the Earth, then we... So we should just work off the assumption, we're alone in the universe, so we really need to have at least a couple people not die. <laughs> and like, that's what he's doing. And then people are like, he's too rich. But first of all, his wealth is in Tesla. So he really can't like do anything with it. It's just equity. Like he can't go spend. It's not my fault the car
0: is awesome to buy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is his fault, but like people bought it. You know, this guy is so
4: crazy that he borrowed a billion dollars because normally like like what Zuckerberg did to buy his house, he borrowed against his Facebook stock so he wouldn't have to sell it and bought a house. Elon borrowed a billion dollars against his Tesla stock and bought more Tesla stock with the billion dollars. If Tesla fails, he's done. He has no more money. It's all gone. So, balls.
2: I'm a huge believer and supporter and fan of Elon, too. And that's another thing you're bringing up, right? People are like, oh, he has too much money. He's a billionaire, yes. But most people don't realize... Billionaires are billionaires in most of the assets. Like, there's no, there's no checking account that has three billion dollars <laughs> on my Bank of America. On my Bank of America, right? two
4: hundred fifty thousand.
2: <laughs> right. These billionaires, they store in companies. They put them in stocks. They put them in real estate. So that asset, like very few people. I don't even know. Bezos. Warren Buffett, maybe they, I don't know how much, maybe they have like 1 billion in like liquid cash, but these 100 billionaires, 100, like these people who have hundreds of billions, they don't have that in like physical cash in, in a bank. But also, yeah, it's a squirrel about Elon. So his whole thing, and he learned it from Henry Ford. He wants the average man, the everyday man to be able to afford a Tesla and Henry Ford with the, with the Ford because Tesla's right now, I think they're like 40 grand and he wants to get them down to like 32 grand to put that in perspective. Like, like like, that's half the price of a Mercedes of a BMW of an Audi and um, Elon. Yeah. He's, he solved the he wants to give fast um internet, fast Wi-Fi with his satellites to the whole world. Like he's he's solving so so many problems.
4: Yeah. Full disclosure, like a quarter of my net worth is Tesla stock. So I'm I'm only hyping him up because I want you to all buy Tesla <laughs> stock and make me richer.
0: Uh, <laughs> right now I'm going to
2: buy some more Tesla.
0: I'll have that. You know, this actually is a great transition to my next point. And it was just announced at the time of this recording that you could purchase a Tesla with Bitcoin. And I know both of you are very interested in the world of cryptocurrency and investing. So while we get into that, talk to me for those who don't. It's been a very popular trend, but talk to my audience about what exactly cryptocurrency is. Where do you project its future goal to be? Whether you're your Dogecoin, you're the obviously very popular, Bitcoin. I'm a Bitcoin investor. I definitely believe you two are as well. But talk to me um, amongst you guys. Talk to me about cryptocurrency. What is it? And where can we expect it to be going for Uh, our public?
4: going to the moon uh, in the form of Dogecoin. So write that down. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, cryptocurrency. I mean, Brendan, do you want to take a...
2: Should I'm I'm no expert. I'm not going to act like an expert, but like plain and simple. Think of it like the intert- The Internet's money,
0: right? The currency of the Internet, almost. Currency of the Internet. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, in, in the same way that you picture, because we all look at different things as stores of wealth, right? So throughout human history, people have always used gold, right? Just like a universal sign of wealth. Uh, then we had, you know, currency that was backed by gold and we primarily operate off of fiat currency, which is the store of value that a dollar bill has is your faith in a dollar bill. So it's not backed by anything material. Uh, some people say that's destroyed the economy. Uh, I've looked at the math and I'm just not quite sure that that's true, but as much as my libertarian friends will be mad at me. Not sure the evidence mm. behind that. But, you know, Bitcoin, I'm not sure if it was the, I'm sure it wasn't the first cryptocurrency, but the idea is that through encryption, you can verify the ownership of this asset and verify transactions. So uh, you, you need an insane amount of processing power to run these complex algorithms that then allow you to... <laughs> Verify this person bought this thing, right? Or this person owns this thing. And by verifying transactions, verifying ownership, and having machines that run that, the system rewards you with Bitcoin. Yeah. So Just like
0: uh, a stocks, investing in any company stocks, that, that yeah. algorithm decides where it goes and you yeah, get rewarded. So you had
4: like a little server in like your back room, right? And it was working really hard to verify all the stock trades on Robinhood and Mm then as a reward, Robinhood paid you with stocks. But there's a finite number. Eventually it will stop um, paying out. So it is a finite resource because it was built to mimic gold because there's only so much gold. So if you use it as a store of wealth, well, there is a limit on the amount of gold that there is. So therefore it becomes a more stable form of value fiat currency you can just keep printing money forever now eventually you'll inflate the economy and then um you know in 1930s germany it was cheaper to burn your money than it was to buy firewood because <laughs> inflation was so high uh, you can look at pictures of kids That's playing crazy. with stacks of trillions uh of marks like little billion dollar bills of marks when it was <laughs> to be equivalent to a dollar uh, pre-World War One, And it was like $100,000 for a loaf of bread. And then the next day you come back and it was 200,000. And the mm. next day you come back and it's, and you can see the same thing like Venezuela right now where um, the average Venezuelan has lost 16 pounds um, from the economic crisis there. So people's faith in fiat currency is diminishing, which is pushing people towards crypto. Mm. And as people push towards crypto, main institutional investors like square bought a lot of bitcoin and i think they bought ethereum tesla bought a lot eventually all these big mutual funds will start putting a percentage of their money into crypto and it will probably primarily be bitcoin because that's the the most popular one so mcdonald's are the cryptos exactly so like you run some big hedge fund you don't want to miss the train so you put one percent of the portfolio there because most of the money that is invested is handled by a very small group of very large companies that will start to diversify in the crypto that will have the crypto shoot up. In my opinion, I am not a financial advisor. I don't have more than like 3% of my money uh, in crypto and the off chance that I'm totally wrong because at any moment the government could just make it illegal. Like India is literally trying to make cryptocurrency illegal.
0: Yeah, Wait. in crypto, you have to actually put it on your tax tax return once you buy it. Well, I, I did. My-
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do, but...
0: I'm just going with what I saw on my tax I, board and H&R I Block. Put it on so. okay. <laughs> I on mine. I saw they asked, do you have crypto? I didn't buy it till 2021, so I don't have to file it this year. Or I said, I don't have to file it this from 2020, but I just thought that was interesting that they asked for that.
4: I, I have friends that... uh I haven't, but instead they bought
1: Ooh. uh
4: material things to store their wealth to move the bitcoin out, but you can't track that either, yeah. So, uh, but I won't give them up, and I don't think the <laughs> IRS has guns, so but yeah, me. we don't
0: need someone to look out for anyone, but yeah, so, as we see, it's clearly growing now. You can, but as I said, you could buy this crypto, um. You could buy bit. You could buy uh, a Tesla now with it. And when I was first being aware of crypto, I knew that was where you'd have to get, you know, illegal things off the black market. But do you feel whether it's the end of this decade, maybe next decade, or the decade after that, we are going to see that option where you're going on Amazon, you have your, you fill out your credit card, you can fill out your PayPal. Here is where you can fill out your crypto. You see that coming?
4: Yeah. I don't think it'll
0: replace it, but I think it'll be an addition to that.
2: Yeah, I how I look at it right now, it's more of just like an asset, right? Like, cause you're not going down now. Like, I think Tesla is now taking, um, they're taking Bitcoin. They're like, you can pay in Bitcoin, but like, it's not like you're going down to the local pizzeria and here's point zero 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 one Bitcoin. You can like, <laughs> like, just Ooh, like a bad day today. I don't know, just invest into it. That's, I'm I'm no financial advisor either, but that's what I would just say is like put monies when, because right now it's, I think 53,000, it's $53,000 per coin. They're saying it might go to a hundred thousand by the end of the year. It's probably going to go to 500,000 within this decade. So hop in early, invest now before it's too late.
4: Yeah. yeah. If you're putting 3% of your money, I mean it's it's not gonna stay where it is. It's gonna go to zero or it's gonna go to like five hundred thousand. So it's uh it's don't put all your money into it. Mm-hmm. But a, a portion. Actually I have a funny story on this specific topic of buying things with your crypto. Tell me. One of my companies, right? Uh we were like under investigation from our credit card processor because we got a handful of chargebacks, right? So someone went to their bank and disputed the charge because Uh, Long story short, we sell this government permit, right? So we will file it on your behalf, do all the work. So we charge the amount that the permit costs plus the profit margin. There Mm -hmm. are a small handful of companies that have figured out I can pay the government or I can pay a third party and then I can dispute the charge, get the money back and I get the filing for free. So we got uh, like three or four of those and they wouldn't give us any of our money. I got paid today. Uh, it was great. It was like 20 grand that I've been waiting on, like we're still <laughs> paying for people's services. You know, it's like, well, you know, I've spent the 10 grand on the stuff. I'd like the 20 grand. But anyway, that that's his own thing. But so I was investigating. Well, you know, there have to be payment processors out there that are more willing to handle disputes, right? Because once you go above a 1%, no credit card will, will take you. We're not above a 1%, but I just wanted to know our options in case the problem got worse. So, my idea was, well, what's the most renowned industry for high chargebacks? Porn sites. So I went from <laughs> porn site to porn site, uh, looking at like the membership signups, and I was shocked. Most of them don't take credit cards. You pay in crypto. Really? Like, oh, no way. I'm going to get a bunch of customers to pay in crypto. Like the the I the thrill of sex is the only thing that can currently <laughs> motivate someone. To convert their money into crypto, into the thrill of sex. That's oh, a- <laughs> my soul hurt after doing it. It's like an hour of like just like going through like porn sites. I was like, because I see like one more secretary, I'm gonna just my eyes. Yeah, are-
0: you just you just for- pull up on a porn site and you just see somebody getting fucked and oh uh, my gosh, but like really for an hour. For like it's really not good for the brain to look at that on the reg.
4: No, and it's just like you try not to look. Like, where's the member button? Because it's just like. <laughs> It's too much stimulus for an hour. Like Jesus Christ, I don't care who here watches porn. Who watching this watches porn? It, it hours way too much, and we should That's, all like your soul hurts. Like get yeah, you do feel dirty. Get a therapist. Like just too much.
0: <laughs> too much. Because that man, what is wrong with me after the fact when people usually <laughs> use that uh, porn site? You know, to. Uh, Do to do a humanly function when needed, no matter your orientation of that. And then you're just like, huh. And then you just see where I think I believe I heard this fact that a third, one third of all internet traffic is dedicated to porn. A third. Probably more than that, honestly.
4: That sounds low to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's just it, it is crazy that where we could try these new things. And I guess crypto and the port industry, that sounds like a vice video right there, what you were explaining. How are you going to pay for your port?
4: It's uh, just, just like, I'm like, all right, so maybe this, this didn't actually bear any fruit. I did find a couple of credit card processors, there's like one in particular that kept calling up. And I called them. And like this guy with like this really husky voice was, hello, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Like, Hi, James. My name's Will. I own such and such company. You know, we were just looking at, potentially looking at, like, higher risk uh, credit card process. We're like, what's the nature of your business? <laughs> I'm like, I just like, you know, we do this with small businesses. Like, our goal is to just help automate a lot of the processes that small businesses go through. And he's like, nothing in the adult industry. I'm like, no, <laughs> he's like, sorry, we're exclusively focused on this. So I'm like, okay, James, goodbye. It's just... That's so know, stereotypical. It's freaking creepy as hell. Even the payment processor sales guys Yo. just like, bro, are you hitting on me? Like my wife would not like to do this right now. I'm going to get off the phone. Your,
0: your card, you put your card in always where you just put cards in sketchy places. Then you have a report. Someone tried to break your system. Like I remember I went to the sketchy gas station in Queens once where it's just like, man, this looks bad, but I really, I forgot. I needed to go to the bathroom really bad. It was like, you can't get in here unless you buy something. And um, and well, I did. I, I got a water, and I didn't have cash. And I swear to you, it was the morning of where someone says someone tried to break into your uh, in your
4: um, card. So wow, 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 amazing! I've been to some weird gas stations and all of them in New York City, and the gas always so like five dollars a gallon. Yeah, it's bad. Man. Like what the it's hell?
0: It's bad. Are we out? For people of barely the drive too. The residents, at least, barely who dri- barely drive there, but that's where they get
4: you. Yeah, wild. So yeah, that's um. So you can buy porn with crypto now. Um, and that's my story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a weird week, guys. I'm not gonna lie. It's been entrepreneurship's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, get some stories, but yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, one day you'll have all the money in the world to publish your stories
0: with (laughs) that's what i love to hear we can't wait to see it so one of the other questions about you guys since you both entrepreneurial have entrepreneurial spirits and you gain your uh you gain your news in very certain ways i know you both are very big readers and i just wanted to say how important is reading to you guys specifically reading books makes a difference for you to try to stick out in front of other people Where British showed that power book. We both got a positive response for you. Uh, I know another Brendan can go on, you know, Dale Carnegie's how to make friends with how to make friends and succeed. (laughs)
4: This
0: is 48 laws of power right here by Robert (laughs) Green. Yes,
2: I'm reading that right now,
0: but talk to me. And you know, another thing that I do read, but I read more. I read different books. I read more media based and pop culture sports politics, all that helps me stay in the loop and become a better podcast and broadcaster here. But talk to me about the importance of reading in both your guys' journeys in life compared to people who go to watch YouTube all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are solid channels, of course, that we can gain knowledge. But there seems to be an extra special factor when you focus on reading books. Bridget, why don't you start and explain why reading books is more important for you for what you want to do? Um there's a
2: few answers. So, one, a lot of billionaires and a lot of millionaires read books. The, the guy, this one man changed my life and I'm proud to follow him. Ty Lopez. Uh well, do you know Ty Lopez? You follow him or familiar with him?
4: Uh I have tried to get a Lamborghini in my garage.
2: Yeah. All right. So that that was his marketing, right? That was no, marketing. no,
4: he he's a genius Yo. marketer. But I've like listened, I never paid him, but I listened to some of his free stuff. And he was solid. I was I was a little surprised because the marketing was a little like blah, but no, really good advice from him. Yeah, so it's
2: I like he he gets dismissed because he had a here in my here in my garage with my Lamborghini. But the whole message, uh Like, Ty's my guy. So basically the whole point, like, first he showed the Lamborghini to get your attention. But we kind of talked about this earlier in the podcast. People just want to dismiss. So there's four reasons, right? When someone has more than us, when someone's more successful than us, we have four types of responses. First, we're going to say they cheated. They stole it. They're going to say it was given to them. They're going to say they got lucky. But the fourth person, the fourth person is going to humble themselves and and say, how did you do that? And how can I learn from you? And his whole like his whole thing was basically about knowledge. But basically, I went down as fun. I learned so much, but he really got me into reading Bill Gates, the 14th, maybe 20th time richest man over. Takes reading vacations. He goes on his private jet just to read. Warren Buffett says he reads like eight hundred pages a day. So basically, the richest people in the world say read, and you should read too. Reading's good for concentration, right? There's no, there's no pictures in this. It's small font, just words. It's good for concentration, and uh, just be a student, student of life, student of history.
4: Yeah, no, spot on. That number one, it's an amazing book. Robert, everything Robert Greene wrote. Uh, should be read. That book in particular is banned in prisons because it's so effective at helping people gain power. That like Shit. helps people put together gangs so well that so they don't want that knowledge in prisons. They're like, no, oh, you have to be a little more moral to, mm-hmm. to read this book. This, yeah, so this good. thing
2: right here. I think a lot. It was a lot of it was inspired by Sun Tzu, Art of War. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's some stuff that I don't want to repeat. It's so it's so brilliant, but it's manipulative, and it's like you know it so you can see it but there's just like you know how you to endorse to, that book i think there's one one law it's like make people dependent on you right there's um yeah make people dependent on you is just i don't know if that's the exact one verbatim but um it's true i mean the yeah, first law like,
4: is uh what what is it um never outshine the master
2: yeah that's the first one never outshine the, just never outshine your master
1: Um, they'll hate
4: you
2: yeah, so look at this. Make people, make others come to you. Use bait if necessary. Um, avoid the unhappy, unlucky. Learn to keep people dependent on you. That That's the one I'm talking about. Um, use selective honesty and generosity to dismiss your victim. Like, it's, it's laws of power. The government's doing it. Militaries are doing it. People in power are doing this. So, but it's definitely, yeah, there's some stuff where... Be aware, but it is kind of manipulative,
4: yeah. I mean, for me, like, I, I read 75 books in 2016, that was the same year that the SWAT team happened, and I was 150 pounds. And, um, yeah, my life was like super, I was like very, very miserable. I went to three funerals, all of loved ones, I buried my favorite uncle buried Sean Sullivan, one of my best friends. Like horrible year. Awful. Sorry that all yeah. happened. Yeah, that was um that one, that one hurt. Um but so reading for me, because if we flash back to when I was 16, I was having a super, super hard time. Like suicidal depression, like in a whole like I was literally losing my mind and I like knew it but I didn't know how to stop. And so what got me out of it was essentially just a conclusion of like, well, you're sitting here and you want to die, right? Well, death is inevitable. So I was like trying to like logic my way through this and it weirdly worked. I don't recommend doing that. You should see a therapist if you have suicidal ideations. Uh, This is a terrible idea and don't do what I did. It's a bad idea. But It's like, you're going to die anyway. That you just guarantee. So while you're here, if the world is so horrific that it has brought you to this place, then why not you dedicate whatever time you have left to making it as better as possible? All right, well, what's the best step? Well, I guess it's to get a little bit better every day and then maybe eventually I'll be the kind of person to make uh, an impact. And first book I ended up picking up uh, was rich dad, poor dad because the kids in AP. Robert Kiewiczowski. Uh, oh, yeah, because weird, weirdly, Mr. Harridan from uh, <laughs> Noah who hated me, by the way. Did not like me. Uh, he liked all my friends, <laughs> did not like me. I think it's because I was like, the Gulf of Tonkin didn't happen. He's like, no, it did. <laughs> it's in the book. I'm like, Library of Congress said it was fake. Anyway, I don't think, because um, I was probably a know-it-all little shit, because that's what 15-year-old Will Hessert was. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was just, all right, let me read this book, because it came highly recommended from the kids in AP Econ. Oh, let me get the next one. Let me get the next one. And I, like, read 75 books in, in 2016. Um, Something else. A lot. Uh, one of them was, the, was literally the entire Bible, so that one took a while. Um Lot of it's like 47 books in or 66 books rather in one giant book. Oh, yeah, but that gave me a lot of skill sets, it gave me a lot of practical things, but it also did a lot to shift my mindset. Because whenever you're reading a book, right, this this book I can't recommend enough, this is the best book on changing your life. Uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, I've read a lot of books on like how to change your habits. This is takes all of their best ideas from all those other books makes them better and gets rid of the crap that doesn't work. This, this one's amazing. Um, but you get their best words edited that you are now reading with your own internal monologue. So it shifts your mindset over time. When you're reading someone's work, you start to think like them. That's both a blessing and also a warning because some, a lot of self-development books are I'm trying to find a nice phrase dog shit um and so you got to figure out what is the marketing hype and what is real 48 laws of power is a real book Atomic habits is a real book uh, but something my mentor taught me is you never want to read a book from someone whose entire claim to fame is having written books like, is there something that, cause like Dale Carnegie wrote, how to win friends and influence people. Well, you know, what's your qualification? Oh, decades teaching public speaking and being the most effective, uh, communication trainer in the United States for decades. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm curious to read your book and that's still on like the top 10 list of business books, you know, written like a hundred years ago. Um, and so reading specific personal development books, understanding history understanding your field like media like you're reading in your industry to grow yourself mm-hmm. you read things to grow you to grow in your industry um don't use reading as a place to escape from doing the work but don't use work as a way to escape from growing yourself balance
0: Damn.
2: That's deep, right there. Um, yeah, to add to that, two things I want to share with the viewers out here. So off of Will's note, don't build your lifestyle around your career. Build your career around your lifestyle. And the second thing I'm, I'm going to leave, for what profits a man to gain the world, but lose his own soul. And that's from the Bible right there. And then there's so many people and society wires us to be that where we we chase the highest paying job but it's going to consume all of our time our default should be health wealth love and happiness a lot of us chase money but we neglect our health a lot of us chase money and we don't we we take the highest paying job rather than what's ha- what what um, makes us happy what makes us fulfilled and so um we don't have health we come home and we're so burnt out we don't want to go hang out with friends we don't want to go hang out with family we don't want to pursue a relationship because we're so burnt out from work and then um happiness is fulfillment towards a uh, cause that is greater than yourself and once again we chase money but we get burnt out so for what profits a man to gain the world or lose his own soul
4: jesus had some wisdom
0: Oh, yeah. You both have really profound answers to that. And it just brings us together. The importance of reading is just a reflection of life at the end of the day. It's storytelling. And it's always something that we could connect and learn and grow from. And the best way, even for someone who loves, personally prefers podcasting and movies with storytelling, just as a as a favorite thing. But I love reading as well because it allows me to get lost in the world. Of what, as you mentioned, whoever wrote this, fiction and nonfiction. And then I can genuinely gain knowledge that will help propel me for the future at the end of the day. Whether it's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or the freaking Green Eggs and Ham. (laughs) At the end of the day, these are stories that help us fulfill and see how we can enhance our lives. And I think reading is the most intimate way to do that at the end of the day. Because you're reading and you jump in that world Oh. So one thing I want to another thing I want to brush up upon quickly. Well, one I thing have. you did, um, you talked to us about, I believe it's 48 and 48, right? Uh,
4: the four by four by 48.
0: Yes, four by four by 48. Talk to me about what you what that means, what you did in your part for this cause. And what did you do? What did you do? Tell us about four by four by 48. And what was the cause behind it?
4: Uh, so if you really don't like yourself and you want to punish yourself, brutally, you should do what I'm about to tell you now. So um, for those of you guys who don't know David Goggins out there, I cannot recommend listening to this man's life story. He overcame terrible abuse. Um, was one of the only black kids in, in his town, had the Ku Klux Klan marching in their parade, uh, end up losing a hundred pounds in three months to become a U.S. Navy SEAL and you know, set like world record for the most number of pull-ups and his whole mantra is stay hard. So he's just always challenging himself and growing himself as a way to, if you can put yourself through suffering and come out the other side well, now you're tougher for it. So he invented the challenge of four by four by 48, which is running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So that means, so Friday night, starting at 11 p.m., uh, whatever the first Friday of March was, I was up at 11 p.m., ran four miles, came home, went to sleep, woke up at 3 a.m., ran four miles, went to sleep, kept doing that until 7 p.m. Sunday. And that was my last run So I knew that I wanted to do something to raise money uh, for a charity that I care about, which is Evidence Action. And their whole thing is they analyze what's actually the best place to put your dollar to pull someone out of poverty, right? Like turns out Tom's Shoes actually really sucks at that. And there are many other places to put your money. And they found that by deworming children, uh, it gets them in a school better. And so it costs about a dollar to deworm a child and it will increase their lifetime earnings by about 1100 uh, dollars So it becomes the most effective dollar for dollar return on pulling someone out of poverty. So I knew I wanted to do something to raise money for that. The week of, and I hadn't really been running in like two, three months consistently at all. Like I'd go for a run a week maybe. I was like, you know what? I've been so focused on work that I've kind of become like a soft little bitch and I'm just going to do the Goggins Challenge this weekend. It's this weekend. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to raise money for evidence action. We'll just figure it out. Fuck. What? <laughs> so much. I, my feet were yeah. done.
0: Yeah. Tell us about your body after the fact. What was your feeling? What pain on the joints and the muscles and all the body parts and your dehydration? Tell us about what your body's going through after such an incredible feat.
4: Oh, how, how graphic can I get? Mm -hmm.
0: Be as open, as honest as Uh, you want, man. Did you get a six pack after this or maintain yours even more that you probably (laughs) have in there?
4: No, I actually started to get one this week and I don't know why, Uh, but no, I uh, didn't, it was just, I lost 10 pounds, but it was all unhealthy weight loss. Like Mm -hmm. when your muscles are eating itself, it's like, I still had like that little bit of dad flab. That was still there, but I was much weaker. So I lost 10 pounds in the first 12 hours. That was great. Uh, the first run I had carb loaded too much, so I ended up throwing up. Oh. Um. by So like my 7 p.m. run, which so we're about, we're 24 hours through, right? Felt fine on 7 p.m. Saturday. 11 p.m. Saturday, it really started to hit the fan. Like, and I was consistently just banging out like 19 minute miles. They fell like 12, 13 minute. It felt like 15 minute. And then by like 11 in the morning, I was limping because my feet hurt so bad. So now it's taking me like an hour and a half to get through four miles. It's not running anymore. I'm limping. Um, My, my butthole hurt because I had the shits because whatever was happening in my body, it was just diuretic.
0: Yeah, I heard there's such thing as runner's diarrhea.
4: Is that what that is? Because yeah. I, I don't know anything. I ran into this. I'm like, whatever. I'll just do it. It'll be fine. It's like, no, you moron. But, um, so I had that going. That that sucked. Uh, I was becoming delirious. I, I couldn't warm up because I was burning too many calories. I was under a heated blanket under a comforter when I got home and I literally wouldn't get warm. I would shiver the entire time to about five minutes before I had to get ready, go back out, refreeze. Oh. But at the end, because the last run was one of my fastest really, and that because something happened in my mind where I felt like I could do it forever. Like on that 3 PM. So,
2: it really is all mental, huh? That's that Goggin switch right there.
4: It, I found the switch, and this is what did it. Because I, I couldn't even, like, limp normally. I was starting to fall over, and I found a stick, right? And so I took this stick, and I'm freaking walking through Old Saybrook like this, right? And, you know, we, we live in, like, a beach neighborhood, so you have, like, the hoity-toity upper-middle-class old people. And they're looking at me all bundled up with this, like, what's this crackhead doing out here? <laughs> and I got so mad because I was just like, and this is, i it sounds like Goggins inside your own head. So I literally found that switch. This is what my internal monologue was. Fuck these fucking people. They don't fucking know. How <laughs> about to get worms out of 4,000 fucking kids for the amount of money I raised for charity? Fuck you, you judgmental fucks. I'm going to beat all of you. I'm going to show you. You don't even understand what I'm doing. And I start running down my road with the stick on my busted ass feet with my hurt leg running. Get to the 7 p.m. run and we're just going. And I've become literally delirious at this point. So uh, I was running with uh, my friend Rob. Uh, he, He owns the gym I go to. And he's like super, super fit. Uh, and my wife was happy that he was running this one with me because she was afraid I was going to die because I would obviously gone crazy. <laughs> we ran by uh, a Catholic church, and it was like Father Michael presiding, or like Blessed Father Michael. And I just shout, Daddy Michael, like, give me the blessings. And we would run by Michael. this restaurant, Skippers. And I'm like, move the fuck over, Skippers. I'm the captain in these parts. And then some Rob's just like, the hell's going on? Because I've literally gone crazy at this point. I've lost wow. it. But I could do anything. I sprinted the end. I felt great. I you went to like Super Saiyan mode. Hours. Yeah. After about two hours though, I was like, oh sh it just crumbled and I was limping for about a week. But I was still in I was still in the gym the next day. There's no running in that workout, just cleans. And, you know, you don't have to be scared
1: mm-hmm
0: well i mean how about that well uh, brendan what do you think of that you, you could do that no i give that <laughs> respect no i could not, not do that
2: i like i probably run like a mile in the gym on the treadmill every day but like four and then another four and then another four and another four, four. To to no four. way no way oh <laughs> so, you men. Thanks, man.
0: Yeah, we commend you, well, and you were able to raise this great amount of money for charity, and this is why you're the great person you are, man. It's huge props to you. Appreciate
1: that.
4: It was, yeah, it was transformative, man, because I uh I, I was just like, it's just four miles, and you just keep doing it. Like, four miles isn't that bad. And then I was, like, come Wednesday, I'm like, oh, shit, I really have to do this this weekend. And then, like, after throwing up halfway through the first run, I'm like, but like they already gave the money and we did it through like Facebook donations so they've already donated I can't even give it back. So like I literally have to do this now. I was pissed. I did not want to finish that shit. like the first run I was like, nope, I want to quit.
0: And what would you say is that motivating factor was and as anybody who feels like oh I don't want to do it anymore what What would you say to those people as someone who did get that motivational factor and make a big cause? What would you say to those people who need that extra kick
4: as you did? If you keep pushing, picture you're pushing a giant boulder up a hill, right? And the slope gets steeper and steeper toward the top. It gets more and more and more miserable. So you and you're more and more tired. So it just feels shittier and shittier. But when you get to the top, you just push that shit down and it rolls. And then it's easy. And once it gets to the bottom, you have the next hill, but you just have to live to the next peak and that feeling will become that. And this is true of entrepreneurship because about 95% of it is setting your eyeballs on fire. But that five percent is so amazing, and it's the ball rolling down, the feeling you have, the pride you have. I I, I achieved this peak, and I can do anything. But the fact that it sucked so much going up the hill is where you get the humility. So they're like, oh yeah, let's do the four by four by forty-eight. I'm not like. Yeah, I'll make it my bitch. And i like, oh, this is really going to suck. But like, I know I can do it now. <laughs> so I'm not like full of myself at the end of it. Um, so anyone who does do it, it's not like I'm equal to you. I'm just like mad respect, dude, because I personally know how freaking horrible it is. So at the end of that suffering, your confidence is up, your humility's up. And you, I just think it makes you a, a better person to, to go through suffering and come out strong on the other side.
0: So profound, man. We love it, Will. And thank you for having for always having stories like this to help motivate us. I'm sure Brendan agrees as well, right? Absolutely.
4: So You're not the Brown brothers, man. That's uh my role here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Every time, and part of the brand. That's why we appreciate and we love you, Will. So one last topic before we do our final questionnaire. Let's talk. We're all from Norwalk, Connecticut. Well, we still we miss you in Norwalk, but um, talk to me about what are the things you guys both have gained from going to Norwalk, going through the public school system. Talk to me about what you've learned growing up in Norwalk from whether it's the Norwalk's culture community. We clearly witnessed from the early 2000s to now a gentrification movement for Norwalk. I mean, NARC was pretty shitty at one point. I mean, <laughs> it really was like, what's his name was mayor. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. He had a very memorable name that I can't remember. Was um, that
1: Moshe?
0: Yeah, Mayor Moshe. Like things were really bad. Crime was up. Uh, I mean, just it was like New York's version of the 70s <laughs> compared to like the 2000s. At least what I remember. I mean, I remember one time Brittany and I was at, we were at one of Brittany's Little League games. And there was a shooting by Vets Park, where it used to be a popular place to have these shootings in that neighborhood. And I'll never forget, you know, that one bridge that separates between downtown South Norwalk and then you go to Vets Park. I'll never forget. I saw like eight cop cars all in a row moving. It was it was crazy but that used to be it but now we've seen so many new apartment buildings the obviously the new mall in norwalk the grass is just straight up greener uh and it, it we really we grew up in a time uh, that norwalk had very low lows but transitioned to you know what it is now and it's just so popular for people to go to now but having said all that what are the lessons you gained out of growing up in norwalk to be the people you are on your journeys to be huge, successful entrepreneurs. We'll start with Brendan in this one, and then we'll uh,
4: hear Actually, what Will has uh, to
2: say. I want to hear, I want to hear uh, Will's point of view on this.
4: Okay, then we'll start with Will. I got really good at doing drugs. No, it's like, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for Norwalk because it felt like we had so many different backgrounds. I mean, I joke when I describe Sono to people now, it's like, well, you know, you ever been to downtown Stamford? Yeah. Have you ever been to downtown Bridgeport? Oh, no. All right, well, we have both. Um, you know, <laughs> literally, like, at the train tracks, there's literally a wrong side of the tracks. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the saying. It's real. Um, but, you know, you have people who uh, you go to school with, and you know that that summer, they'll be bouncing around the multiple vacation homes that they have. And you know other mm-hmm. people, um, when they get, like, the breakfast and the lunch at school that that might be their only meals. So there's this huge, uh, gap. Like, I mean, um, I know people who you know, never went to school with like a person of color. You now I, um, you know, I, I dated a girl in high school who didn't go to I went to uh, school in a better town. And she said, like, yeah, you literally have to import, black people from Bridgeport because they're none here. You know, yeah, I know like busting in Boston, the seventies. Yeah. I mean they I mean I know they send kids from Bridgeport, at least they used to to Stables High, Darien High, like a couple other like there's a program, Greenwich High. But meanwhile in Norwalk we have people of all different colors, you know, we have people of all different economic backgrounds. So when I'm out in the world, like I feel like there are people from more privileged areas. Like you know, see someone see a black guy, like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, nothing. It's just the guy. <laughs> You're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's helpful. Uh, I didn't realize that the schools weren't that good until, like now I'm a parent. I'm trying to figure out the scores of the schools and no all <laughs> but,
0: uh, <laughs> when you when you change so many superintendents like our public school system has, I'm sure that doesn't help the score. Well, when you get rid it.
4: of Mr. Mecca, it, it all goes down. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> like talked to him twice. I don't know if he was good. Um, Reggie but, like, having, having people like like Glenn Couture. And, oh my gosh, just like a couple of these all star teachers uh, at Noah Kai really transformed me, meeting the people that I met. uh, not, Nothing but gratitude. I know a lot of people like to shit on Norwalk, but I I never got shot at. I don't know. Like It was pretty good for me. I don't know. That's
0: what would you me. have to say? By the way, Mr. Gator, he is a dream podcast guest. I plan on once we have a certain amount of numbers and substantial, bill, I mean, we'll, we'll always be substantial, but once we have a certain amount of numbers, I will I'm gonna pitch the show to him the right time. Probably I just I just have to have him on. Even if this show gets established and it is a huge podcast and network, I have to get him on. I have to. Anyways, I just I wanna say canceled that.
4: Canceled instantly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter cancels productive conversations after madman jokes about killing students.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I refuse for that day to happen, but but. But what would you have to say about growing up in Norwalk? How would you answer that question? Nothing
2: but gratitude. Like Will said, Norwalk made me who I am. Norwalk is my home. And we live in a very unique place. And when you grow up in Norwalk, a lot of people are like, yo, I can't wait to get out. I want to get out of Norwalk. But then once you leave, right, you're like, oh, like, man, I was missing out. Like, I'm glad I'm glad for Norwalk. And just physically, right, we have a beach. We have a mall. We have two bowling alleys. We have a downtown strip. We have the best food. We have um, parks, real parks, real, real this right. is great. But also to um, the people there, you know, Norwalk is a blood type. And we live in a very unique part in the country, very unique part in the world, where your best friend could be from the country club and then your other best friend could be from the hood. And you see all spectrums of life, all walks of life. It's, I think Norwalk Public School is one of the most diverse public schools systems in America. And you, you get that taste of everything. And um, like Will was saying before, there's some people that like, don't have any friends of color. They've never, never hung out with them, and people. So I went to, I went to public school. I went to North High School, and then I went to Bates College. And Bates College, on paper, is considered a little Ivy League school, very, very good school on paper. And the people that went there were coming from the best schools: Phillips Andover, Phillips Exeter, Lawrenceville Academy, Choate, and all those people were idiots. They were idiots. They have no sense, right? So there's your book education, right? then there's social and cultural education, right? And emotional too. And and emotional education, emotional intelligence. I learned all that stuff from norwalk in norwalk you you learn how to develop a tough skin you learn perseverance you learn nothing's going to nothing will be given to you you have to earn it yourself you're going to be roasted you're going to have to learn how to st- you know stand up for yourself you're going to have to learn how to read people you're going to have to learn how to negotiate you're going to have to learn to how to sell yourself and when i was with all those people from the top 1% all these these rich people billionaire kids they were idiots they they were from i, I like to say you either from the jungle or you're from the bubble, right? Norwalk teaches you how to survive in the jungle because all those people, when they leave the bubble, right, the world isn't Rolls Royces, caviar dinners, and all that stuff that these people are used to. When you walk down the street in New York City, you're gonna get cracked. You're gonna get punched in the face if if you're acting like, oh la di da di da, everyone's so nice. That's another thing, right? It. I just I love Norwalk so much and. I want not trade it for the world. And right now, Norwalk served me well. Norwalk served all of us well. And it, it has a huge f- um, foundation
4: in my growth. Yeah, man. I want to open up offices in Norwalk, give back, hire a bunch of people from Norwalk, in Norwalk, give back. It's It's a great spot. Uh, yeah, Frosty's is freaking amazing. I'm just gonna plug them. <laughs> like my wife and I are obsessed. Like every time we're near Norwalk, like visiting my mom's, like, can you go to Frosties. And like, yes.
0: Yo, yeah, perfect. I, perfect. I definitely will talk about our favorite Norwalk things. Just the one last thing in this list serious part, and then we'll just get to funny Norwalk things <laughs> and then the final questionnaire. But I think obviously, as we mentioned. And the common theme is Norwalk is a diverse place with all different backgrounds. And obviously anyone could say, Oh, you could name any other major city like that. But I think with the thing that makes Norwalk different and stick out, especially Fairfield County, obviously a world-renowned, famous County, you know, being a suburb of New York city, I think the thing that makes it stick out compared to other towns similar to us, or I should say cities similar to us, that's so diverse, like Stanford, Stanford's obviously pretty major, but it's also a, a city with major industries involved with it. I mean, you have CBS. I mean, you have NBC Sports there. You have major accounting firms and located in Stanford. You have WWE and all of that. You have big Fortune five hundred companies in Norwalk, and sorry, in Stanford. Uh, and then if you go on the same thing with White Plains, another big uh, major in city like Norwalk is set up almost like a perfect town to set up a TV show. Uh, it is a city has over a hundred thousand people but it's not associated with like i said no obviously there are major companies based in norwalk and as we see probably as it's going to grow since this gentrification movement but norwalk is just a naturally big city in a big area like you know where i'm getting at with this it has norwalk. its own special breed in that yeah. sense and it can't really and when you compare it to other cities what makes it stick out is because of how naturally it has came to fold into this world. It's been, it just every, so it, you just, so many people just got attracted to go there, whether it was affordable at the time, whether we've seen some really wealthy areas. I mean, if you live by the beach in Norwalk, you're set. And I think it just naturally came that way. It came the most natural without major industry attracting people towards it.
1: You yeah, were about to say something else, Mar-Walk, Brandon?
0: Um, it is a city it's not, a, not
2: not necessarily a metropolis it is a city but yeah. it has that small town vibe but not in a bad way and like everyone knows everyone everyone has mutual respect and um fortunately i just felt growing up like very inclusive like everyone there there is your cliques in high school and, and everything but like it's i i felt a lot of inclusive inclusion and almost like us versus that kind of like an us versus them mentality, but all of us, we were us and, uh, and them were, were Stanford somewhere else. And so, yeah, I think one of the beauty things about Norwalk, it's a city, but it has that small town, town vibe in not a bad way, but people, you know, people know each other and people
0: have respect for one another. Yeah. 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 Anything else to add with that in the general's perspective of Norwalk will.
4: Summed it up great. No need to add when the bows already put on the present.
0: <laughs> perfect, perfect, and just some funny Norwalk things. Just tell me, uh, tell me one who's your some of your favorite teachers from Norwalk High that you have. What are some of your funny memories you've seen from Norwalk High that hasn't been mentioned already? Obviously, the Couture any Couture story. Right. Um, who remembers when you went to lunch? People would throw slushies in this specific stairway that everybody would still oh walk. God, I forgot about that. Like, wow, how cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: and then you got like shipped away to Briggs for do it. <laughs> 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 Where'd they go? Like, they
0: went to oh, Briggs. I just really wish. I wonder what Narl Kai was in a really great time, like in the 90s or the 80s or 70s, when you had no social media like mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to find those type of pictures. I can't find them anywhere.
4: Yeah, I mean, dude, there's so many stories of just the insanity. Most of my crazy stories are all band-related because Mm -hmm. I'm an ex-cult member. (laughs) Uh, I still love my old cults so much. Uh, Dude, we just did dumb shit all the time. It was just... You versus okay.
0: Mr. Herodin, too, as well.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. So, all right, here, here's, my, here's my grievance. I'm going to air grievances. So, the <laughs> senior year, uh, National Honor Society, you know, there were about 40 of us, right? <laughs> 20 of us had not fulfilled our responsibilities in terms of community service, right? 10 of us, me included, had done the service. We just hadn't completed the monthly form. Right. And yeah, did like three hours a month. I was like helping start uh, a, a tutoring program. And like, I like programmed the database for us to work off of. I was putting in like at least 20 hours a month. Right. So I was blowing it out of the water. I just was so busy trying to figure everything out. I forgot into the forms. Same is true of nine other people. Ten other people just didn't do the service. Ten people that didn't do the service, to my knowledge, because I remember the story. I was 17 and a little bit of a dickhead. So maybe that's affected this, the actual truth. But the 10 people who didn't do the service got to make it up. The nine other people that didn't hand in the paperwork got to just make up the paperwork. And I got kicked out. I was like, what? wait a minute. I feel like you just don't like me. So I feel like I remember
2: hearing about this. The
4: they kicked you out? Speaking. I'm sorry. they were like. I think there were six people because we had Brody, who was valedictorian. I think we had Lila, who was salutatorian. And then Sam Gandy's president. Uh, we had Nate Cutting, Joe Nielsen, also class officers. All with golden sashes. Will Hester, secretary of the class. No gold. And I'm like, I'm 25th in the class. What do you mean? <laughs> we have to battle this out. I was like, I got we have to write this wrong. you, what's happening? Like whatever so I was I was a little butthurt about that and like I told my mom she's like i want to come to school right now like mom <laughs> don't be that mom like no I'm literally like leaving to be an adult in like three months just chill out but oh that was that shit was funny man that oh sweet. Well. I swear you, well your class was some
0: was built different you seriously
4: well, yeah, like, we have three classes right now we got 13 14 15 right uh 16, 16. he's 16 yeah, I thought you were older. You carry yourself well. <laughs> <laughs> that would, be, but like I remember,
0: one of the craziest things was when Mister, we'll just uh, this
4: kid. You remember this kid
0: specifically?
4: I, I I think I know the exact story you're gonna say. To I already happen. know what you're talking about too. So, Everyone knows this story.
0: So. <laughs> In Connecticut, I don't know if that this is a case anymore, but the big standard high school standardized test with the CAP test. Oh. And this was when, who would have thought this was, if we saw how Twitter wound up being, <laughs> this is an example of exactly what Twitter oh. has evolved into. But Long story short, standardized test. For some reason, he was able... The No doubt the teacher said, put your phone away. But yeah, yeah. he took his phone out. I'm going to show how... I'm going to show how important I am to go against get society. He said something like, fuck this test. I'm like and a like short took a answer. Picture
4: of it, like he drew it on the test and like took a picture. Yeah. I think that's funny as hell, but the school really didn't enjoy it.
0: Yeah. It was- and like, didn't you guys... Um, Weren't you forced to go back to... um? Well, did you have to retake the test? I could be wrong in that. Or that might have been
4: a rumor that you had to retake the test, test, I think. I didn't retake it. I don't know. But honestly, like following that whole thing, because like they were like trying to get the police involved. They were. (laughs) And I'm just sitting here thinking like, he's a good kid. He just did something dumb. Like anyone who's ever spoken to the kid in question, he's a great guy. He just did something stupid which is also to his credit, funny, which should earn him points, but that's just me. And then they're like, we need to get the police involved. Like sometimes I feel like administrators, their only role is to make a big deal out of things that aren't a big deal because their jobs are so pointless that if we really analyze what they were doing, then they don't get fired. Like look at, like, if you look at the reason why college has gone so expensive, it's typically you've added a bunch of administrators, but the quality of education hasn't improved. So what the fuck do all these people do all day? No high plenty of administrators like that. We don't know what you do all day. So whenever some kid takes a picture on the cap test, you're like, Finally, I can pretend like my life has meaning. So they keep paying me $200,000 a year to jerk off <laughs> in my office.
1: 100%. Which
4: should bring us to a C, for Mr. Oh, story.
1: Oh, man. <laughs>
4: because that's the best chance. All right. I'll never forget. don't know out there. We had, when I think all of us were in school when that happened, uh, a teacher who was having a sexual relationship with the Oh, kid, right? I'll never forget that day. And so. I was doing, I think uh, I, I was, this was like toward the end of the year and I was, was getting ready to do... I thought
2: it was like Christmas time. It, like happened, remember, there. it happened the week of Sandy
0: Hook, I remember that. Yeah, so Christmas time.
4: Yeah, so it well. was the new year. So, uh, junior year, I'm getting ready to do the senior project, Project Explorer. Like, I wanted to like uh, write a symphony. Uh, I, I did, don't do that. Terrible idea. A lot of work. But you had regular meetings throughout junior year to kind of figure out what your senior project was going to be. Mm-hmm. And one of the teachers on it, you know, was Mr. Carl and it was Mr. Seaburn. Hey. And when people were saying, you know, Mr. <laughs> I didn't know there was a Mr. <laughs> I literally have seen pictures of this man and I still don't know who that is. Like, I don't I've never seen him before. Mm-hmm. Once I went to the school for four years. Never. I thought they were saying Mr. (laughs) Seabird. So I'm walking down first floor B house and I see him in the the hall. hall, And I'm like, do I fucking deck this guy? Like (laughs) little girls, what are you doing here? They're like, (laughs) you gotta get out of here, you weirdo pedophile. And and really glad that I was very conflict avoidant at 16. Mm. Because that would have been... Really, it would have made the whole senior project really awkward spending a year working closely with a man I called a pedophile and punched in the face. So <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, that's
0: funny. Boy, oh, I wow. mean that that story for me. So like I was really involved with the paw print. And uh basically I remember it was either journalism class, but we went, I think it was journalism class. We went to Carl. He's like, folks, I believe you all know this story. Like I remember. <laughs> This was starting to when people would just say things in the hallways, those days were whining away and it was just seeing what you're on Twitter. Like people would tweet blatantly. And this was that era of that. They're just saying, like, go oh, f- fucked or um, or, uh, you know, this teacher did that. And like, oh, my goodness. I remember like thinking at the time, man, our high our high school, we've seen a lot of things, but we've never seen the trend of I feel I don't know if we see this as much often, obviously not as many in during COVID times, but because there's not many teachers and students seeing each other in class. But like I was thinking, man, would it be something that we would actually went through that? And we did. I remember my mom hit me up and she was like, don't you ever get involved with the teacher? Even though we all have had fantasies of teachers in our past.
4: <laughs> no, what kind of couple. <laughs> I, I had the biggest crush on the substitute that came in for like the English teacher senior year. Mm-hmm. I mean, and was it was like, this. she so hot? Like, like she like was intelligent and funny. I'm like, this is my kind of girl, just like probably 10 years too old for a 17 year old, mm-hmm. like seven, seventeen, 17, Br- probably like happen. After
0: me and Will graduate, Brendan, <laughs> that's funny, baby. Um, After me, and sorry, after me and Will graduate, Brendan, you've also had another situation like that your senior year, right? Teacher with a student, female teacher with a male student. What?
4: I never heard of this.
2: Yeah, I think I'm getting stories mixed up.
0: What do you mean? You Wasn't there also a teacher, a female student at the end of the year with the with the person? Or, well, it never was. The pre, Let's just say the press didn't find out. And this teacher disappeared. And there were rumors. I don't know
2: what you're talking about.
0: Yes, you do. No, I really don't. Just say it. I, I genuinely don't know the person's name. He went to our church, the kid. Oh.
2: Yeah, see, I told you. <laughs> uh,
1: what is uh, that? my
0: boy.
2: Man, he's in the military right now. He's protecting us. Um. He's a hero for so many reasons, but what? how so many reasons. What teacher was this? What happened? Uh, um, do we just name drop? Are we name yeah, drop? Don't don't
4: don't say Only the name. Only Matt drop. gets sued, Brandon, You and I are fine. Yeah. <laughs> listen, you could type it. There's yeah, a well, chat. There's a chat right, feature you type, could type. Type, type. You could type the chat
0: oh, chat feature.
2: I don't think she. I think she came after you guys. So you, I don't think you know her. But basically, my boy, my boy will call him, um, Mr. We'll call we'll call him um, the savage the hero. We'll call, call him the hero. Yeah, we'll call him the hero <laughs> for many reasons. Uh, so he told me a story because I was cool with them. The story he told me uh, was different from the story that everyone was saying. Basically, yeah, he uh, he got he got a little too friendly with a. <laughs> Actually, he, to told me, he told he told me two different stories. The first story he told me was like, oh nah. But the second story after when we got out got out of high school, he's like, Yeah, yeah. I was getting paid <laughs> from her. Just oh. like that.
1: <laughs>
4: Unbelievable. Bro, there's so many people <laughs> that you can get with that aren't your legal students. Yeah, right? There's Tinder. Literally, most people are above 18. Right, really, really most. Yeah. uh,
0: that's just a world we'll never, I'll, I know we'll never understand, man. Even though, of course, you had fantasies at the time when you were a kid, but yeah, well, right? we were that really, but yeah, like, that's, that's what I'm different. saying. In the kids, when you're when you're a, when you're that young age, of course, who wouldn't There's there's that Hoffer Teacher, you know, Van Halen video? If so, if those certain teachers you had, but yeah, now as an adult, that's really grotesque, gross, and awful, and yeah, disturbing,
4: and, and actually. You hear about that uh, teacher at McMahon? Um, yeah,
0: there was that, that art teacher too. Man, we're really yeah, so, making the school yeah. systems look bad with this. Uh, <laughs> with all right. now, I just want to say
4: that there are hundreds of people that are teachers in the New York public school system, and we can name three exactly. that are creepy. I mean, they exactly. are, no are creepy, but the <laughs> percentage basis of people who sleep or are creepy to their students is very, very, very low. Just for the viewers, but in McMahon, for those who don't know the story, there's a guy who was taken. He would like be on his little office chair and roll around and take his phone and like kind of put it down here and like take a picture because it would go up girls' skirts. And this one student noticed it, so the teacher puts his phone down casually on his desk. The kid gets up, grabs the phone, books it to the office. Teacher running after him at full speed. He gives the phone to the uh, to the admin. tells him everything. He denies everything. They look at the phone, they see everything gone. Now that's an epic story. That guy's like, I don't know who that kid is. I, I want to know who that is, though. Like, I a didn't kid. know. Yeah. Unbelievable. Really have a productive conversation. It's like, hey, what does it feel like to be a goddamn American hero? <laughs>
0: Absolutely, man.
4: Why don't we just
0: avoid the, you know, we know that bad teacher aspect, But what were just some other great
4: teachers you always had good
0: times with?
4: Oh, Senor Todashini, awesome, awesome teacher. Uh, Chris Rivera taught me so much. I know, like, some people are like, oh, that guy. I'm like, this made amazing push-ups. Like, shut up. You're fine. <laughs> um, like, grow up. I'm, like, going through. Uh, Miss Wax whipped me in the shape by scaring the living shit out of me. But she held you to a standard, man, and, and you better hit it. Simonson is one of the greatest losses oh, yeah. Norwalk I ever had at that class. I, I cried a lot and that was deep.
0: He, I heard I had him for two different I had him my English teacher, at the psych and lit.
4: He loves um, you. He named you by name in really? my class how much he loved you. Yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That made my day here Then, yeah he was the he was the homie. He really he was like the perfect high school sitcom teacher. Yes. Perfect. Was that he was Mr. Feeney?
4: Oh, man, he he was the goat Uh, because he just got really real with. Yeah. You know, like he talked about a lot of real shit that applies to life. And that was when I was going through all the dark shit. So to mix those two things together, Mm -hmm. it was like, (laughs) damn, this is this is real. It
0: is so true. You always remember the English teacher. That yeah. great English teacher. Well, I had one. Definitely, my freshman year English teacher sucked, but the <laughs> and then my sophomore year sucked. I don't know. We had one. Co- I remember the whole forty-five minute, forty-five minute, um, class. One forty-five minute class was just talking about stereotypes. It was like a stand-up comedy <laughs> lesson, and um, and then yeah, Simon was my third grade, my third grade, my uh, junior year, and it was he was great. I took his and I took him a class that whole other year, and then I had awesome. Fuller.
4: Too, mr Moffat he was older uh, moth I, I only had young Moff I've talked to old Moff though <laughs> He's also just that I just see like you are literally just an older version of young Moff. <laughs> I guess it's the other way around because one is the other one's dad so um, credit to, to old Moff for making young Moff but dude young Moff was one of just the best math teachers like I I was so prepared for that calculus test that the free, so you got an hour of multiple choice and you got two hours of free response, right? So like every other AP test, I took up like the whole time, right? This one, I finished the free response in 15 minutes because he literally gave us every AP test there has ever been. <clears throat> so I could answer all the questions. It was just the numbers changed out. I literally memorized how to do all these problems because he kept yeah. it so well. And I was so bored that you couldn't leave because you could like text what the questions are to your friends on the West Coast? And they wouldn't let you leave until the end of the two hours. So I, you had to like justify your math pro, uh, answer like with a paragraph. So I started drawing speech bubbles, and I mm-hmm. drew um a dinosaurs in the margins, and I called them calcasaurus. And apparently, calcosaurs. you get the test back, but I still got a five. Like I crushed this test, but you get the test back when you're the teacher and I had friends who were younger than me in the class who were like, Hey, Will, remember that story you told us when you like made calcasaurs? I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. So Moffat told us to not draw dinosaurs yeah. on the AP test. But <laughs> it's so, yeah. not
0: dinosaurs.
4: Yeah. I was like, first off, name it what it is, Moffat. Like I'm giving you credit here. I deserve my credit. But yeah, so that's my uh, small claim to fame at Norwalk High School. Um, also, we need to give uh, Dan Sullivan all the shout out. Oh,
0: yes. The greatest guidance counselor of all time. Yeah. Uh,
4: I never had a Shaughnessy, but he's the freaking man. <laughs> One of the coolest people I've, I've talked to. Really good guy. And that was that was Sean's favorite teacher by a lot. That like you would uh-huh. just go off about how good Shaughnessy is. O'Donnell. Um a lot of great people man. Yeah. So to all the viewers, uh, they don't all have sex with you. Some of them just really help you with your life. Exactly.
0: As in anything, just a few bad apples and they're gone for a reason. Also really like Mr. Anastasia, his bro and I I understand this is a polarizing pick, but Mr. Carl, I I that is polarizing.
4: I like Carl though. So I'm Carl,
0: I think there's a reason why Carl was like 30 kids Asked him to do his letter of rec. He was just like a great coach. He really prepared us for anyone who had him. And I loved working with him at the paw print. Anyone who really worked in the paw print with Carl loves him. Like if you do the paw print and he just, he was just such a great character. That's another dream guest I have. Like he was, I won't say like a father figure for the paw print uh, staff, but he was like, I don't know. It was really different. He was just he was like one of us. He really led us. He he fought for us. You know, Reggie Roberts censored the paper. We have to we at the time we had this article where we were staging a drug deal. And all the picture was was handing lunch to each other, saying that this is a drug deal, which obviously is not. But people got upset. And the rules now you had to give. Uh, Principal Roberts, the paper before, which is bullshit you censorship. That's not right. how journalism works. But he really fought for us I and
4: for you, too. What the hell is that?
0: Yeah, but he fought for us. He, he went out there for us and he got the opportunity where we pressed literally pressed him as a press conference to talk. Like, why are you doing this? And he didn't have to do that. And I think uh, people should know that Carl really prepared us the most for college. And, you know, having discipline and just being getting ready for the real world. And he was just. Speaking facts the whole time. I'm just bummed. I really wondered how he handled the uh, Trump administration. In fact, I got to email him after this podcast. Let's see if he'll respond. If he still is working. I don't know if he's still working in archive but but um, he really was something else, man.
4: You guys ever have Miss Morris?
0: No, I've heard. I've heard she was uh, something. I don't know. What,
4: what was she like? She was teacher was tough as nails. One of the best people, though. Um, when I had a friend who was suicidal, uh, like I took my friend to see Miss Morris. Really? Like, dude, one of the scariest freaking conversations. She's like, all right, so you want to kill yourself? Go away, just don't. Uh, maybe. All right, so that's a yes. What's your plan? I was like, holy fuck, like, what's happened? But, dude, her love of human beings and her love of her students, she is she just, oh, my God, one of the best people. Because who who do you trust in that situation, you know? Because they got, like, some admins who are going to freaking censor, like, a school paper. What the hell are they gonna do with the suicidal kid? Like, oh, shut up about that. We don't have that here. You know, you don't know what what's gonna happen, and you know, when someone's in like that dark of, of a mindset, you probably, if you have any shot of getting them to talk to someone, if that one time doesn't go well,
0: you're screwed. Yeah, it really oh. is. I think that's what people have. To, the importance of listening is is everything, especially
4: people who are really down. But she could listen, dude. I, you know what I need to do? Because she left me her email so I could stay in touch. And I lost it before I went to college. And I have not been able to contact this woman. Can't find her on any social media. Like, every six months I look. I'm going to just go to a be like, who has Martha's contact info? I need to call this lady because, like, I have a baby now. I can send baby pictures to Martha. Like that's, this woman was amazing. One of the best people I have ever met in my whole life. Like, God bless that woman. She's just, uh, hold me to that. By the time I'm back on the podcast, if I hadn't done that, disinvite me until I do that.
0: (laughs) Well, you're obviously, you're part of this brand now as a recurring guest, Will, so we'll make sure you have that as well as you too, Brendan. But Brendan, what other teachers have made an impact with you from all High? I have some good teachers. I have some good teachers.
2: But yeah. um, Yeah, I good teachers.
0: <laughs> Anyone you want to say in particular? We don't um, have shout out to,
2: Grady. out to Grady, bro. But um, I got a question for Will, though, because um, I don't want to make this too long. So, Will, you know, um, I really respect your story, and I want to hang out with you later on after this podcast and just kind of learn more about your story. Thanks, um, you? You talked about how... Like you you went through a a tough time and I went through a tough time. Matt probably has had his tough times and we almost, we almost need to taste that dirt. We need to taste that dirt. So we realize I don't want to be down here again. And I have to do everything in my power to keep myself up and not be down there again. Um, And right now you're an entrepreneur. You're talking about doing $20,000 deals. And you said before at your time, like, you had a lot of self-doubt. You felt like you're the dumbest kid. And my time when I took the leap of faith and bet on myself, everyone else was like, when I left school, they were like, Brendan, you're fucked. You're stupid. So I felt that too. And now you know you landed and you're 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 flourishing. So my question for you is, what are what should more people be aware of today? Ooh, that's
4: a great question. I think. Let me give that some thought because that's a deep question
2: is deep, yeah right what's your more tw- like what should yeah more people more 20 year olds should be aware of or even just doesn't have to be age specific
4: that everyone is giving advice that makes sense for them but not necessarily for you which by the way deep. the advice not for you might be that you should drop out of school and start a business. Like that might be really bad advice for the person hearing it. But to go to school and be a doctor might be terrible advice for someone. So, because you're you're taught to have a a given path and it's important to understand people's incentives. Like a high school's incentive, if you guys remember during graduation, they have a list of all the colleges that people go to. Right? Mm -hmm. We got people who I graduated with who went in the military and came out and got a construction job to make 150 grand a year and they have no college degree. They never went to college. And you got people who went to great schools who are unemployed trying to figure out like what it is that I'm supposed to do. So it's, you really have to figure out what it is that you want. Define your purpose. Cool. I know what I want. And now who do I need to be to achieve that, how do I become that person? And what are the next steps in that direction? And ideally you can find people who are further along that specific path, not like, because someone who's like crushing the NBA, they have great principles they could teach you, but they're not gonna show you how to be a great entrepreneur. A great entrepreneur is probably not gonna help you become a great doctor. A great doctor isn't gonna help you become a great father. You have to figure out who you want to be reverse engineer from there and find people who are further along in that thing. A lot of people getting advice on money from broke people on fitness from unfit people. Um, just
0: love advice from single people.
4: Oh my gosh. It's like, you know, but like, I always say the best advice for myself, like, do you, Julie? do you or do you just suck with men like it could (laughs) you could it's a possibility and we need to to address that yeah so you need once you have the confidence in what you are supposed to do and who you are supposed to become it becomes easier to walk that path but it will still be super hard
2: bars man that's deep that's deep right there Thank you for sharing
4: life, So
0: mm-hmm. Amazing words from the amazing Will Hester. So one last thing we have to do, gentlemen. So we end every podcast with a questionnaire. Every first time guest gets the Prowse questionnaire. I've been experimenting with what the next questionnaire for returning guests. So I think the one I did offer, the I was explaining with well, the Eric Andre questionnaire. I just think we'll save that for another time. And still hard, trying to differentiate which questions can be asked. Because I tried it once and it just it was funny, but it's it just it's just strange. We, we all know why. But I love Eric Andre. So Eric Andre. exactly. Legend. And, and I realize when you ask certain questions, he says out of con- the questions he's asking certain guests out of context, it might be hard for the audience to just simply get it. <laughs> This, you have to be that type in that type of environment for the work. So I tried this new one now. It's called the Conversational World Questionnaire. Thanks to con- our friends at Conversational World. And these are we're gonna do five each. We're gonna go switch off. We're gonna do switch ones. We'll go with. I'll start with Brendan and Will. Brendan then Will, and Will, vice versa. So I'm just gonna ask you guys just short but deep questions from a Conversational World Questionnaire. So you ready for it?
4: Send it. Full send. Everything is a full send. It's the moon. Full send to indeed. The moon. <laughs> was, when you get to the moon, Doge is there. Waiters. <laughs> indeed,
0: indeed. All right. So my first question we'll start with Brendan on the conversational world questionnaire. Brendan, what's the closest thing to real magic? Love. Love. Mm. Um,
2: closest thing to real magic is love. When you love someone, um, I think scientists describe that the closest thing to being in love is being hypnotized, being drunk. Because when you love someone, you're gonna make all logic goes
0: out the way and you're, you're going pure on emotion. Well, We've seen where that's led people, it's definitely worse than when it is. It does work out, and
2: and um, in perspective of a 22 year old right now. I say that not in a good way. Like, closest thing to magic is love. Love is gonna leave you. I'm sure. Out of out of 100 bats, 99 people will strike out. One person will hit a home run with love.
0: Keep swinging. Look at that.
2: But
4: don't become a swinger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would you have to say? Will is the closest thing to real magic.
4: Um, can't compete with that answer. I think that's nail on the head and, and like i've experienced multiple kinds of love it's like i have a daughter and that's like you know little baby girl puts her head on your shoulder like because my life's pretty stressful i'm not gonna lie like it's just like things are on fire all the time sometimes i'm on freaking you know porn sites figuring out how do you get funny um hello you know, so like it's a funny story now but like when you're doing it's like what the hell's going on but it love is magic man it's it's
0: magic beautiful beautiful answer number two brendan what social stigma does society need to get over
2: this absolute this absolute ism the world isn't so black or white
0: all right i can agree with that i'm sure will does too what would you have to say will what social stigma does the uh what social stigma does society need to get over
4: my first instinct was sex, because we oh. all show. to chill. But my second instinct was... There's a legit
0: answer, though.
4: Yeah. My second instinct, which is probably deeper, was nuance. Because if you have a nuanced opinion, you are instantly labeled as an enemy of both the left and the right. I'm like, what? I didn't know I was both a white supremacist and uh, Oh, you're not surprised. Surprise. Oh, <laughs> Hello. Welcome to your first okay. podcast. This is Josephine. Hi, Josephine. Hello, Josephine. I'm to go that way. You can ask Brendan the next question. <laughs> <That's
0: better laughs> my answer. See you later, Josephine. All right. So <laughs> with that, Brendan. Bad what? Bad duties. <laughs> of course. So, Brendan, I'll ask you this. What's the most ridiculous thing you ever bought?
2: too much spending too much money on food <laughs> it's, just, it's just i know i'm spending too much money on food it's one thing i just turn a blind eye to
0: <laughs> fair enough man oh fair enough will what would you say is the most ridiculous thing you ever bought,
4: Ooh, I bought a lot of ridiculous stuff I am a fully bulletproof vest back there. Yeah. Uh, I
0: always see that the whole, the whole podcast. Yeah. For this. No, like, what done. is
4: that? Legit is that his superhero outfit? Yeah. No, that's, that's that. I mean, I don't have the, the gun with it because I know people are like, oh, it's too easy to get a gun. It's not true in Connecticut. I'm, I will have my gun May 28th. It's taken a year. Um, wow. The gun I bought is pretty ridiculous though. It's uh every legal loophole that you could possibly have so
1: mm-hmm. and,
4: but the more loopholes it went through the more expensive it is so I spent like three grand on a gun and that was probably dumb but it's really cool in fairness
0: <laughs> well, as long
4: as it's really cool <laughs> it's the only thing that matters not if it's good for self defense but does it look cool once <laughs> <you>?
0: <laughs> yo number four Brendan I'm going to ask you, Brendan, what is if you could switch places with any TV character for a whole week, who would it be or she or they or what animal? I will be Costa in Project X, the movie. Costa. All right. Well, I'll go with that. It's both. We'll go with both TV and movie characters. So that's the so or not, um,
2: nah, TV. I'd be I'd be Michael Schofield from Prison Break. Why is that? Cause he just he's just like a step ahead of everyone else, from a step ahead of everyone else, and he just had this swag to him. All right,
0: cool, cool. How would you answer that? Well, what TV character or I'll throw it out there for movie character? Would you switch places with for a whole week?
4: Probably Iron Man, just for fantasy fulfillment. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I've already made the billions and I'm saving the world. It's like. Elon Musk with lasers. This is awesome. That's
0: what they say. They said John Favreau based off this version of Tony Stark on Elon
1: Musk.
4: Probably I mean, more charming. But Robert Downey Jr. is just the embodiment of charm. So that's not a swipe. Absolutely. On. That's a compliment to Robert Downey <laughs> Jr.
0: That the, the snap and end game is one of the most iconic moments of cinema history now. Like it really is up there with, you know. Anything I have back there, especially any got any major movie scene, especially for the toy heads there, they're going to refer to that snap. It's so my final question for the both of you before we say goodbye. So we'll start, Brendan, and Will, Brendan. what was the last time you laughed really hard besides this podcast? <laughs> I don't want to put you on
2: blast, Matt. <laughs> <clears throat> for what? Um.
4: Last time I laughed really hard. It <sighs> was at <that> you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You
2: don't want to hear about the story today at dinner. Matt bringing potato chips to the
0: bathroom. I did not bring potato chips to the bathroom. I don't know where that rumor came from. It got framed. Uh, I just did it right there. Moving.
2: My father found potato chips in the bathroom. And the thing is, they are Cape Cop potato chips. Matt went to the
4: grocery store specifically.
2: <laughs> (laughs) Just to buy these Cape Cod potato chips. He's the only one who wants Cape Cod
4: potato chips in the house. In fairness, if you had to take a potato chip to the bathroom, I would take Cape Cod chips. I got afraid. I know for
0: a fact that I've never eaten in the bathroom. What I think, looking back, I must have taken him inside while I was in the middle of doing something, and I must have let him there. I'm trying to think. I have no idea how this showed up. I know for a fact that I did not blatantly eat potato chips in the bathroom like why I'm not I have more self-respect for that but I think I must have left them in the middle of running around doing a million things while I was trying to eat at the same time because I've been doing that a lot lately like editing shows while eating lunch and uh, stuff like that so it must have been that
4: that's a great defense (laughs) It's a true one, too. I totally believe you. (laughs) I appreciate it. But,
0: Will, I mean, that is really such a concept, eating in the bathroom. Unless you're hiding something. I don't have any food to hide. Except, well, the chips. But because if I leave them out, they're specifically for my lunch. And I like these low-sodium, low-salt chips with no sugar. Busy. And if I leave them in the uh, living room, then they're gone. So, oh, that's what happened. Anyways, well, what was the last time you laughed really hard besides this podcast?
4: So I'm a big comedy fan. My top three, not in any order: um, Dave Chappelle, Bill mm-hmm. Burr, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Carr. But I haven't heard as much of Jimmy Carr as I heard Carr. the other two. And so I was listening to him. And so he's, he's British and horribly offensive. Uh, and so he, he asked the crowd, I'm on the way back from Staples last night, uh, I had to like print out stuff and I don't have a printer. Um, so I will come back late last night, listening to Jimmy Carr. And he was just roasting everyone. I'm laughing hysterically. And he asked, all right, who here have I not offended with my jokes? And like a handful of people raised their hands. He points someone like, you, what do you do? It's like, I'm a college student. Like, all right, uh, I got a college student joke. Um, once I was in college, um, we caught my friend you know, jerking off in the shower. Huh. Like, ooh, yeah, yeah. It ruined the class trip to Auschwitz for everyone. I was like, oh. what? And I, I, I'm laughing out of shock so hard that I had to pull over the car. And I'm like on this side street in old Saybrook laughing. And then just thinking to myself, wow, I'm probably a terrible person. <laughs> we're finding it that funny oh um,
0: my goodness and then people are
4: laughing and he's like you can't judge me you just laugh at the most terrible thing that ever happened <laughs> oh he's if you have a really sick sense of humor i recommend jimmy carr if you have any level of sensitivity do not listen to him you will not like him <laughs> if you have any moral backbone do not listen to jimmy carr if you don't like me amazing Give him a lesson.
0: What an adventure there. <laughs> and yeah. shouts to especially the, the Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr. Brittany, I know you like Bill Burr. He has a lot of your respect, right?
4: Yeah, I respect Bill Burr. The I think, There's an, an epidemic of gold digging holes out there. And nobody will say anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro? What? <laughs> but he's so right. Yeah. I think that's Which what... Weird. Because you don't think he should be. Because everything he's saying is awful. But he's not wrong. Exactly. You know, I
2: one thing I like, he, it's funny, he says. But um, he goes, like, you guys want to talk about equality? In the Titanic, the women and the children went first. The guys had to stay on the boat and die.
4: <laughs> <laughs> like, honey, why do I make 72 cents on a dollar? Because when someone breaks into our home, I'm the one who has to go downstairs and get fucking stabbed. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, not wrong. i I do those trips now. Oh.
0: <laughs> Dude, Bill Burr, amazing podcaster as well. Just Thanks. always, he's just authentic. You guys saw that. Um, I mean, he's just his his stand up. All his specials are spot on. Like you said, he's just he's the most. He's right with everything he says. And then Dave Chappelle is the best at putting things in perspective while being a funny man. Yeah, man. Guys, epic, absolutely epic. We've been at it for over two hours. I think we could wrap it up. It was incredible. I really hope we continue to do this again, that you want to do this again. And, man, I really appreciate the both of you. Thank you for this.
2: Appreciate you,
0: Matt. Any final words from either of you?
2: Yeah, no, nah, well, definitely. i um, love to link up with you soon. Next time you're in Norwalk, man, um, I'll get your number. We can chop it up. And, you know, love to hear more about your story.
4: 100% man, yeah, we should totally do coffee. I'm gonna be in town pretty soon anyway, so uh, yeah, Matt, can you send me Brendan's number? Yeah, no. boom, look at this, we're making connections. That was <laughs> supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I feel like I gotta end on something like really profound. Uh, <laughs> don't jerk off in the shower. I just,
1: uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: Great advice from the gray Will Hester. Great vibes from the great Brendan Brown. Incredible appearance, guys. Thank you so much. We'll do this real again soon. God bless, good luck, and I'll see you all really soon. Godspeed.
2: All right, guys, see you.
0: Brendan Brown, Will Hesser, thank you so much for another deep, captivating, and incredible podcast. I had nothing but a great time with you two. Thank you for the energy. Thank you for the noise. And yeah, What a great show. We're back here tomorrow on a regularly scheduled Thursday show. Debo Davis is on the program. He is a mixed martial artist, boxer, uh, future UFC fighter, I bet. And he came on the Productive Conversations podcast and we talked about uh, what he does in combat sports, how he prepares, the diet, and just to get to know each other. And it was a lot of fun. So we will see him tomorrow with that. And then we're back on Monday with the great, Mike Goumad, who is the host of the Amazing Marvelled podcast, which is a podcast dedicated to pop culture, comic book culture, and all things superhero movies and such. So an amazing productive conversation with him that's coming up this Monday. We'll also react to the Masters, and I believe Bryson DeChambeau is going to be winning at Augusta this year. Man, what a fun guy to watch playing golf. So that's going to be big Masters weekend. It's WrestleMania week. And for those who love wrestling, and it's a really hyped show, a lot of good things coming up over this weekend. So, yeah, we'll react to the Masters on Monday, then we're going to react to WrestleMania next Thursday. So, good things ahead. Baseball is rolling, and basketball is getting into their dog days until the playoffs start now in June this year. So, a lot of good fun things ahead, so... As I mentioned in the intro, I get my vaccine on Saturday in Bridgeport, Saturday morning. So we'll obviously be talking about that on Monday's show. And yeah, great things ahead. Great times ahead, great joys ahead. But don't forget to tune back here tomorrow with Debo Davis. I want to thank my guests again, Will Hester to Brennan Brown, for an amazing, an amazing podcast and productive conversation. And I want to thank you, the greatest listeners and fans in the world, for tuning in and making this show possible. I love you all. So my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. Don't forget to check us out exclusively on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. We'll see you in 24 hours. Be safe. Have an amazing Wednesday. And don't forget, I'm proud of you. Peace.